Folks at home, folks at home, how you doing? Good evening. Mike Iaconelli here. Welcome to Ike Live, show number three. Man, we've got we've got a special show for you tonight. We've got a lot of really cool things happening. We've got some really special guests here tonight. We've got some in-studio guests. Of course, we've got Pete Lusick. We've got another special guest I'm going to announce in a second. And joining us by phone in about an hour, we've got... An amazing angler, Brett Height. Uh, two-time tour winner this year. Amazing guy. Good friend of mine. We've got a great show. As usual, before we start the show, we want to say say thank you to all our military, active and veterans, all our policemen and firemen. Appreciate your service. Thank you very much. want to remind everybody that tonight, if you want to ask questions on the show, we've got two ways. Right, Brian? Brian the Carpenter back there, as usual. We've got two ways to do questions. You can call in. We're going to have a number here for you in a second on the bottom of the screen, toll-free number. And tonight we're going to do all our questions online via Twitter. And go to my Twitter feed, which is Mike underscore Iconelli. So ask some questions, anything you want, right? Any question in the world. Also, we've got something else cool happening tonight. We're kind of launching... Sort of officially, unofficially. <laughs> uh, a soft launch. A soft launch. On the down low. On the down low. On the down low. Live. Live. <laughs> of a really cool new educational, online educational tool called Bash University TV. Really cool deal. Uh, hardcore information online, wherever you're at, uh, without having to travel a thousand miles. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but let's jump right into it, man. Let's get into it. By the way, you're going to notice tonight, we're micro-broing tonight. <laughs> Special shout-out to Dogfish Head down Dogfish in Delaware. Head. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Uh, we're definitely micro-broing tonight. But we always start this show by talking about a hot topic. A hot topic, Pete. You know what I mean? And we've had some super hot topics on this show already. This one's as hot as they get. This one's as hot as they get. Right, Brian? We've had some hot ones. Uh, I agree, yes. Uh, And we've got a super hot one tonight. Um, But before I do that, let's go to the casting couch. (laughs) Let's go to the casting couch. Can we get an applause, Brian? Do you have an applause ready for us? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Just a regular applause. We're supposed to have sound effects, man. Uh Uh, Coming soon. We're going to go to the casting couch. You're going to see this in a second. There he goes! Folks at home, there he goes. In the house. Mr. Robert Soley. Mr. Bob Soley. That's it. A round of applause for Bob Soley. Uh, Everybody doesn't know, Bob's two-time classic qualifier, and he's a master plumber. That's right. (laughs) He is a master plumber, and he's in the house tonight. Bob's a good friend. Thanks for joining us, Bob. He's going to give us some good commentary. And sitting next to Bob. Beautiful lady, uh, my wife Becky. Becky, Becky, thank you for joining us. Applause. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so let's jump in. We've had some super hot topics. Um, We've talked about the A rig. Uh, We've talked some controversy about the fans following as spectators and getting too close and fishing. We've had some hot topics, but tonight the hot topic is. You want you want to announce it, Brian? You want me to do it? Uh. Your show. The hot topic is information as it relates to tournaments. Information as it relates to tournaments. Ah. And, and that's a big topic because we're talking about this is a gray area. 
You talk mm-hmm. about a little more, Pete. Jump well, in. What are you talking about? It, it, it's been a point of contention uh, for as long as I've been tournament fishing. You know, um, there's been rumors about guys getting inside information, getting around the information rule, whether information is, you know, should be part of the sport, whether the, uh, the I mean, we all, all these things we got to talk about, like the, the no information rule in bass. How can they have a no information rule if nobody can enforce the no information rule. Yeah, uh, you know, man, it, it's it's a passionate it's a passionate topic, and there's a boy, there's, there's an awful lot of angles to look at it, and you know, of course, I have my opinions on it, and yep. I know you, you, I think everybody does. Yeah, and 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 information, you know, we're we're talking about a couple things here. So so obviously we've got rules in place. We've got off-limits in place. So there's 30 days in bass. You can't receive any information, just public knowledge. So I, I think everyone agrees that people that go inside of that, they're just cheating. We get that. But what about, what about a guy that lives in Florida, and he travels to Michigan, and he pays the best local in Michigan? This is all before the off-limits. He pays the best local in Michigan, his daily rate, whatever it is, to go out and show him the best spots. Is that right? Is that right? It's legal. It's legal. You want, it's legal. Yeah, I, I don't think. I, I think that a lot of times, though, you know, guys will get um, guys will get information, but you know, is it going to really pan out? I mean, you could pay a guy. I mean, there's a, a good point is that you had you had um, Scroggins, right? Fish the St. John's River. How do you do in a tournament? Not so good. Decent, but not right. great. The next time yeah. you guys went to Seminole, you had a guy that said he's been there for 25 years and lived at Home Lake or whatever. How do you do in a tournament? Not so good. Right. So sometimes that information can help, and sometimes it could kind of... Sometimes it hurts. That's right. It goes both ways. Well, see, I, you know, I mean, I'm in the business now of information. I do. I train people. I teach people how to fish. You know, this is this is what I do, and I have been able to get guys into the winter circle, you know, fishing in federation tournaments, fishing in local stuff, and um, it, it's been very, very, it's been eye-opening for me to kind of get in on that side of it where I'm working to try to help somebody succeed, yeah. and, and I, so I like, I liken that to every single other sport out there. Yeah. Every sport has a paid coach. Yeah. Every sport has paid people to do their mental coaching, their their athletic coaching, their their physical training, their nutrition. Yeah. You know, why why shouldn't fishermen be able to have coaches? Why shouldn't they be able to get the best possible advice available to them uh, to help them? Because, like what Bob said, man, I, you can get the best advice, but when you're in that heat of the moment, when you're out there competing, you know, that's where, that's where the talent rises to the top. That's where the guys that are able to fish in the moment uh, excel, you know, yeah. no matter what kind of information you've received. Yeah. So you have to be really good at using that information. Information, but but it's uh, I, I think it's open season. Why why shouldn't anglers be able to to, to get every piece of information available? To and them? what you bring up brings up another question, which is: Do you have to now get information? Do you have to solicit local information in order to compete? I think you, I think you do to stay relevant. I, I think absolutely not. We got a yes and we got a no. <laughs> On that, let's let's before we get into that more, Bry, bring up the number here again. You know. 
Call in. We've got a toll-free number Brian's going to bring up here. We want to hear your thoughts on local information as it relates to tournaments. Go to my Twitter account, my Twitter feed. It's Mike underscore Iconelli. Ask any question you want. So we had a yes from Brian the Carpenter, and we had a no from Bob the Plumber. Absolutely no. <laughs> we had an absolutely no. No, I don't think you have to, but I think, I think you know, it, it can really shorten the learning curve on getting in and finding out what a place is all about or what it's about at that moment or right. you know just the, the 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 fine details everybody in that tournament you talk about the elites everybody's the best in the world right you know what i mean it's an even playing field in that respect what tips the balance somebody you know finds the right fish or or the right bait or just the right little little you know detail yeah and uh local information can certainly sway that yeah, okay I, I think that you know once you especially once you get to the elite level you know maybe in a federation tournament yeah you could help somebody out because of the competition level but once you get guys that they're already like you got you know some guys are masters of fishing shallow or deep or whatever so whatever information you're going to give them they're going to fish the way they want to fish anyway yeah can it help a little bit possibly but i, I don't think that it's going to sway you know you take what you get and I think I think the information is a lot like you're practiced sometimes you get practice and 10% of it might be worth something and sometimes you practice and 75% of it's good yeah. you go into the tournament sometimes you go into the tournament you're still practicing so somebody tells you something they could totally steer you in the wrong direction it's true you know true. So 10% it, of the information talk. might be good but it, you it, know it's hard to use information to your benefit. That's that's one of the keys. And I, I when I think about this topic, two two guys come to mind. Two of the greatest that our sport has ever seen. And one of them's Roland Martin. Roland Martin, master one, of information for and, sure. And one yeah. of them's Rick Clun, who is basically taking the the position that you know because I don't know Rick that well, but from what I've read and seen, like he avoids they're on the extreme opposites right? of each other. Rick Rick does not want to be influenced. In in any way, and there are those that are like him that 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 pers- and achieve greatness that way. Yeah. Roland has a, you know, I don't know, I don't have any personal information on that, but I got a reputation that he's worked with a lot of local guides, a lot of local information to get as much help as possible. Yeah. But what Roland is a master, he's a master angler, and he can make adjustments when that local information fails him. He can make those adjustments, and. What I recommend to guys that, you know, you need that are doing this or trying, you need to spend some time with no information. You need to you need to develop mm-hmm. your fishing skill set that you can operate you, on yes. the conditions. You've got you to know? be able to find them and fish without information, for right. sure. If you can't do that. That information is not going to help you at all. They're going to give you tips, and you're going to be like, well, it's not working. What do I do now? I don't know what to do. Right. And you're going to lose confidence. It's going to blow you right out of the yep. tournament. So you've got to spend some time doing it yourself, I think. And then once you once you become an accomplished angler from that perspective, yep. now I think you can benefit greatly by getting some some local knowledge, some pieces of information that will help you put a puzzle together yep. in real time. Yeah. 
You know, so I, I think that's when you have to become a Roland. You have to become a master of the local information. And when you become a, talent, a master angler that's mastered the ability to use that, that information, man, you're, you're tough to beat. You win 19 tournaments like Roland did. Yeah, it's amazing. You know? Heard a lot of different views here. Let's take some questions. Beck, do we have any Twitter questions going on on this topic I've, of information? We have a caller, Brian? We've got a caller. We've got, All right, yeah. let's patch in a caller. Jim from Jersey. Who is it? Jim from Jersey. Jim from Jersey. Jim, how you doing tonight? What's your question, man? Jim, you there, bud? Yeah, yeah. What's your question, hey, Jim? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, man. What do you got? Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, as far as the informational thing and all that sort of stuff, as far as, like, gathering information from local people and everything else and yes. stuff, it's like, yeah. I generally uh, kayak fish and bag fish and that sort of thing, and mostly, you know, areas where I really don't fish often. And, uh, you know, I don't do the whole tournament circuit or whatever, but I found success that with when you use your, your general knowledge, you know, cloudy days and sunny days, clear water, dirty water, yeah. color selection, all the other sort of stuff, it's like, you know, you, you can be successful. And if you just kind of figure it like where the, uh, you know, some location with the season and you just go off the general knowledge, you can still be very successful without having to, not to, you know, nothing against coaching or any of that sort of stuff, right. but, but not have to rely on that exactly. You can use your general knowledge. And if you get so caught up in like, well, I'm not doing the right thing, and all this other sort of stuff, you can end up just losing yourself in that thought and not being able to fish the moment like what you speak of often. Absolutely. You know? it's, a, it's a great point. And it's, it's a great point, which is you've got to be able to trust yourself. At the end of the day, dude, you could have the freaking best information. You could spend $100,000 mm-hmm. trying to buy information. But at the end of the day, if you don't trust your instinct, if you don't listen to the fish, I, I you're think not going to do exactly. any good. Yeah, I think it's all about exactly. confidence, too, because if you're not confident, confident in your abilities, you're going to probably go out and look for more kind of information or whatever you can get, you know, to help you out because you're not sure what you're doing out there to begin with. So yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, there's been days where, like, clear, clear water sunny days, I would catch bass on, like, a black lure with a Colorado blade, like, totally debunking what in fishermen and all these other catalogs have yeah. told us that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know, so it's whatever you're confident in using, yeah. that's what's going to get the job done when we're not to move the instinct and everything else, and that's just... Good. I don't know. That's just what I feel like is going to get it done. It's a great, great point, man. You got to trust yourself. You got to have confidence. And you got to trust your instincts. Jim, thank you for that question. That's true. And Mike, man. hey, real quick, man. Thank yes, you sir. for uh, taking pictures of me and my pops over at the uh, the Rockland show in New York, man. Yes, that was sir. Really cool of you. Appreciate that. Good luck this year, man. All right, man. You too. Take it Thanks, easy. Thanks, Jim. What do we got, Beck? We got any Twitter questions on this topic of information? It's driving people nuts. Tell me, tell me a question here. <laughs> Your Twitter followers have other questions. My Twitter, okay. <laughs> do they have anything about information? No. 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 Okay. Well, give me a question. All right. Some stupid. Jim wants to know. This is a great one a for different you and Jim. Pete. Yeah, different Jim. Okay. What do you do to show another angler that he's too close to you in your spot while in a tournament? Whoa! This <laughs> Jim. Hey, Jim. That's a whole other hot topic you brought up here. We're talking about hole jumping here, man. This is a good one. Intimidation. I, screw it. Let's 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 peel off on this one a little bit because this yeah. is funny. Uh, that's a good one, dude. We've all had this. It's a good one for me because before. I've been DQ'd over it, man. <laughs> you can't do donuts around somebody's boat, Bob. Stop that. You can't do that. What do you do? I mean, we've all been there where. 
people try to intimidate you yeah. away from the spot, right? Absolutely. It's intimidation. Intimidation goes a long way. I mean, um, you know, that that's the first and foremost way to go because uh, you if you can get somebody to respond, to react without getting into that conflict or confrontation, you've done everybody a favor. Yeah. But that's what, when I see, I have people pulling in on me all the time. Every We all do, right? And we, but there's there's a couple things that I do. Well, first, it, first I get direct eye contact. Right? <laughs> I look at the, I look at I, I look at the dude, and then more come in. Everybody does that. <laughs> I, I want I want him to know that I'm I'm aware Absolutely. of his presence. Can you make direct eye contact with the camera? <laughs> right there. Look there. <laughs> I give the look, and I keep looking. I'm fishing over here, but I'm looking at the guy. You know, and I'm waiting for him to look at me because I can tell right away whether he's up to something, right? Yeah. If he's trying to steal my lunch money, he will not look back at me. Yeah. And I know right away that this guy's intentions are sinister. Dude, it, <laughs> dude, it's so funny. All the techniques. There's casting a lure at someone in their direction. You know what I mean? You got a, a jig on, you bomb it yeah. and land a foot from their boat. <laughs> Throwing a marker buoy, like in a different spot where you're not fishing, like a false buoy. Well, dude, there's a million things out there. There's a million. There's I, a million. I, I try you bring, you bring a big uncle, dude. You bring a big uncle. <laughs> he follows you around. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. If you have an Uncle Don, bring him. These two fifty six one even better. The intimidation factor. We got a caller, Brian. Let's take another caller. We do. We've got Brett from Illinois. Brett, what's up? Got another Brett. Yo, how's it going? How you doing tonight, man? What's happening? Dude, I'm from Illinois, and it's snowing again. It's sticking. It's awesome. Snow boo. Yeah, it's rough. We hate snow. We don't, we don't like it. Come to Jersey, man. It's it's warming up down here. Finally. Oh yeah, but my cousin in Syracuse says you guys are supposed to get get this stuff tomorrow, though. So I don't know. I don't know. It's better. It's, it's better than where you're at. What, what's your question, man? You commenting on this information topic? Yeah, I've got kind of maybe a different perspective on it. Okay. So if you guys, if you, if you agree that it's it's okay, maybe on the like the professional level, how would you feel like at like maybe a high school level if some people are doing it then or there? That's that's a great question. I and I think it's the same, but you know, at the high school level, there's some there's a different set of challenges. You know, uh, you know, I know a lot about the high school and college program, and one of the big things there is their ability to have the tools to 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 go fish, right? So, the yeah, high school level, and the college level, huge. a lot of times there's boat captains. They're getting in guys' boats, and I've been there. I've been a boat captain at the college level. And when younger anglers get in your boat and they're clueless, it's hard not to want to help those guys. Mm-hmm. But but even saying that, it's really the same. You know, I mean, I think at some point information is a good thing, but where does it get blurred to where it creates an unfair advantage, right? That That's a big question, especially at the high school level. These are kids. Yeah. These are impressionable kids, man. Well, you know, it's it, it's a difficult... Well, you, you commented on something, or you said something I wanted to comment on about getting the best information. 
One, right. of the, one of the important things about, like, we everybody gathers information, right? Absolutely. We're all, we're all doing map study. We're, yeah. We're learning, listening to seminars. We're we're, we're in constant, uh, you know, information Fishity. gathering. Fishity.com. Fishity. Can, can we get a crotch shot of that, Bri, right there? <laughs> can we get a crotch shot of the Fishity hat real quick? We're all, we're all looking at the Fishity maps. We're, Fishity? We're getting all the information we can. One of the things that I that uh, okay. that I really want to express is that it's important to uh, to get, see what kind of information you're getting. You know, a lot of guys at the dock we call it dock talk, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there spewing a bunch of nonsense that you got to steer clear of, and you got to be careful not to be be influenced by that stuff. Misinformation. Yes. Misinformation. There's a lot of people okay. engaging exactly. in disinformation, uh, telling you something to steer you in the wrong direction, down the wrong path. You got to be looking out for those guys. But a lot, <laughs> most fishermen are lie. <laughs> Everybody in this room, <laughs> we all tell lies, right? Well, we all boast. Fishermen boast. If they've caught five fish, they they say they've caught ten. It's turned they, into twenty. Right, and turns they're all into five 20. They go from three to five pounders. So, and they get you thinking that that they're onto something really strong when really they're just boasting. So you've got to learn to qualify your source. You've got to learn to 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 filter through all that nonsense and get the good stuff. You know, somebody might be saying, you know, talking about lures and take, but you you want to listen to what color water he was fishing in. You know how deep those yeah. fish were. You want to try to learn to pick apart the very very important pieces of information. How do you feel about it, Brett? You know, being like after participating in all that, I guess I do find it kind of unfair. Maybe at the pro level where you have a hundred thousand dollars on the line, I feel you can maybe justify it a little bit more. But for us, when like when we qualified for our state tournament, we go down there and we hear like about someone like maybe going out with a guide once or twice before the tournament. And our biggest problem was getting down there to be fish for more than one day when right. other schools had been down there for like a week before. Yeah, yeah you, you, know, you, just, you guys didn't have the access to it. So you get there, yeah. you know, the dudes, the, the winning team's been out with the best local for a week. You feel mm-hmm. shitty. It, it's it's a shitty yeah. feeling. We, we've all been there. We've been there before, yep. you know? Yeah, that, and that and that's what this topic's all about. You yeah, know, that's, it's, it's that's a very a, gray area. Well, man. that's an interesting point, Brett. That talking about from the school, you know, uh, uh, obviously, re- re- you know, recognizing that these are college kids. You guys have uh, probably the majority have limited resources. Yeah. Um, yeah. And should there be a rule for for college and, and amateur stuff that you know you you can't you know you can't have an unlimited spending budget to get yeah. all this local information. I, and that's an interesting. Point, well, maybe something that we should consider. We're going to resolve that. Uh, Brian, let's put up Kevin Van Dam's personal cell phone number. If any of you want local information, we're going to give you Kevin's number here in a second. Just call Kevin. Call him at like midnight, too. That'll be good. That was a joke. We're not going to do that. But thanks for the call, man. Appreciate that. Have a no good problem. night, man. All right. Do we have another Twitter question? Anything on hot topic? Because this this is a good this is a good one. But we're ready to ease on here in a little bit. Back. What do we got? Our buddy Tidro. Tidro <laughs> said, uh, "What about the GPS and how easy it is to receive information? Ooh. I've seen pros that spend hours entering coordinates." Yes. All right. Thoughts. Good Tidro. Good. Good, good point. And again, this. I see Bob nodding over here because he knows this gets to that gray area. 
right? Which is now, you know, you go from very a uh, general information where you know you're paying more about knowledge. You know, you, you know, you hire a guide, you're learning something, a technique, a pattern. You're going online, you're learning about watercolor. They're general things. But what about when you call a guide and he just sends you a hundred waypoints the day before the 30-day cutoff? And now, right before practice, you sit there and you enter all those coordinates. That starts to get gray. Or what if those coordinates show up on your Facebook the night before the tournament? Now, now we're not so gray. Now we're not so gray. <laughs> that brings that brings to light this comment about that. I mean, the the enforceability of the no uh, information rule and what's what's going on in social networking. I, I think it started in MySpace. There was a big MySpace problem where you still have your MySpace, Pete. <laughs> I, I I do keep it active. MySpace and yeah. Facebook have dust. <laughs> on Thank it. From what I from what I've heard, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 guys are going up there and they're putting they're putting these waypoints on during the off limits period. They're putting them up, taking them down. There's there's so many ways that you can do this and not get caught. And the rumors have been flying that guys have been doing it for years. Yep. So uh, yep. yeah, that's how do you how can you enforce that rule? And and if you can't enforce I, it, I, I got a do? question myself. Is that a lot of guys here? I'm talking. I heard. Uh, Scott Martin saying this the other day at Beaver. He erased his waypoints before he went there. Yeah. So it's not. I don't think having waypoints is a shoo-in thing to. Uh, you know, it's not. It, no, it's not. No. Nope. And a lot of guys will actually do, buy all new waypoints. No, nah, I mean guys. Some guys. Some guys like me. I don't even keep waypoints. I just if I fish that particular tournament, they're on my GPS. After that, they're gone. Because yep. you want to relearn the lake every time you go there, and after a while, you get to know it anyway. So you don't need GPS coordinates. I don't think to put you. I think a lot of the stuff comes from, you know, guys, they hear stuff, this guy's doing good in the tournament, well, he must have got local help. I, you know, yeah. you see some of those things going on, but you still have to go out there and do the work. That's yeah. that's my thing about yeah. it, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. and I agree, and I agree. I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you learn how to find them yourself, that's when you get to that level where you can just always catch them. Uh, Yes, sir. Brian the Carpenter. What do we got? Oh, we got a call. We got a call. Let's take. What do we got? Let's take another caller, and then we're gonna we're gonna ease on. Who do we got online? We got Matt from Georgia. Go ahead, Matt. Matt, what's up? What's going on, man? How you doing uh, tonight? Uh, pretty good. You doing? You doing all right, man? Uh, we're doing good. We're having a good time, man. Are you weighing in on the information topic here? This is the hot topic. Okay. What do you got for us? Yeah. Uh, I've just been listening. My way is a little bit easier looking at it, but like getting the information and, you know, people telling you where to catch them and that stuff like that. And, and y'all get the practice where I don't really know exactly how long your practice period is before you get to fish your tournament and stuff. Yeah. But just because, I, this is what I think, just because, and you know as good as I know, just because they're biting good that day and someone showed you where they're at, at the end of the day, hey, you still got to put them in the boat. You still got to catch the fish. That's that's very true. That That's very true. I mean, li- li- listen to me, Pete. You can have the best freaking spot on the lake. Kentucky Barkley Lake, 8,000 million miles of fishable water. You can have the best ledge on that lake. And if you can't figure out how to trigger the bite, you're not going to catch shit. What he's saying is true, right? That's a fact. And that gets back to what Bob said, which is when you learn how to fish yourself, when you learn how to catch them yourself and change, 
that's that's what's going to make you an amazing angler. You know, not the best spot on the lake. That, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt hey, having that spot. It's a good starting point to learn how to trigger strikes. Right. And and, and that call, you got you still got to execute. You have to make good decisions. I mean, you got to trigger those strikes. You got to land those fish. You know, there there's there's a lot to it than just putting X on 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 a map. But, yeah. but what about what about during the spawn? You know, getting information where the big girls are during the spawn doesn't mean you can catch them. Doesn't mean no, you can catch them. You know where they are, and that, that's that's part of the battle. That's pushing right. you closer. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a tricky. This, tricky it's tricky. It's tricky. This this topic is going to rage on for eternity. The one thing I'd like to throw in is the neat thing about major league fishing is that that particular tournament circuit. And I think that circuit's changing the game a little bit because there's no information. We don't know what lake we're fishing until we show up to it. There's no coordinates. When we go out, they check our GPS. They're clean. You're forced to fish the moment. You're forced to fish out of instinct. And I like that. I think sometimes you'll do better that way. I think you do. I you think. know, instead of depending on that one spot, because you really don't. It's a you know, you really don't know what's going to happen really until you get out there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's said, what I say. You yeah. said depending on that spot, there is a lot of anglers that get caught in the trap of depending on information. And, and right, you don't want them there. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of that's history. History can hurt you. Guys can't sure. have no confidence unless they feel they have some local source of help, and they they yeah. they can't be confident yeah. and they get trapped in it. I've seen guys panicking because yeah. they, haven't, they haven't been able to talk to anybody and they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You know, but I, that's why I feel like it, it's definitely important. We all agree that you, at, at some point in your career, man, you've got to be able to just get out there and do it yourself in yeah. order to make it to the you next level. To. you got to. Thanks for the call, man. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yes, sir. Have Very a good night. Man. Appreciate right. it. Man, that was, that was heated. I'm actually kind of hot. <laughs> it is hot. Right, you Get a close-up on my brow. Is there any sweat on there? No. Can we do a close-up of the brow? We did actually jump ahead uh, and didn't formally uh, introduce everybody to who here. Oh, okay. Show. Well, let, let's let's go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna switch shots here, Bry. Go. All right. There is Bry. How you doing? There's Brian the carpenter. Uh, he <laughs> here's a picture. He can't see it because he's sitting on the couch. There's Bob. That was like from the early '90s. Look how high that hat is. Late '90s. 99. <laughs> look at that thing, man. High hat. Wow. wow. Bob, look at that hat. Show him the other two up there, guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no! Don't show the other cards. Oh, Pete! There it is. Pete, you look like you're 15 in that picture, I, I, I man. I think I was. What the heck? Look at you. That's a nice high hat, too, huh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I never wore a high hat. Oof. Never. <laughs> never. Oh, my God! <laughs> what the hell is that? That's horrible. All right, quick, take that down. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now I'm sweating even more. Um, nice. Nice. Back in the day. Back in the day. So, this is a good time to let's let's change. Let's change here. Let's get a little more... Uh, let, let's loosen up for a second. Because in about... 30 minutes, a little less than 30 minutes, we have Brett Height on the show, Pete. Awesome. You get you excited about that? Uh, Brett's a friend of ours. You yes. Know, we've been fishing and traveling together for years and years. Yeah. Can't remember what year. Must have been, geez, what, late 90s or yep. something? Oh, yeah. We started hanging with he, Brett. And he's, and, and he's, a, he's an amazing angler, great fisherman. He's changed the way we fish some techniques, mm-hmm. drop shotting, chatterbait. We're going to talk about that. 
But at the end of it, he's just a really good dude. Like, yeah. He's a really good dude. He's <laughs> I, a good dude. I, everybody says so. He's I, a good I dude. Every, I don't know anybody out on the trail that doesn't that doesn't he's get a good with dude. B-Height. He's a good dude. So you know? we got that coming up. But before we do that, can we do a drum roll? Oh, no, he's on the phone. We can't even do a drum roll. Beck, can you do a drum roll for us? Do a drum roll. <laughs> Anything? That's all right. That's not bad. Uh, we're going to do a special uh, clip that we call Clip of the Week. We call it Clip of the Week. And Clip of the Week, let me tell you, Clip of the Week is brought to you by Ike's Tackle Box. Uh, if you're looking for baits, if you're looking for some of the hottest new baits, go to my website, MikeIconelli.com. Go to Ike's Tackle Box, and you'll find stuff on there that you won't see anywhere else. But we're going to do a special segment here called Clip of the Week. And what we do in Clip of the Week, Pete, is we scour the Internet. We scour the Internet for the most amazing, sometimes fishing-related, sometimes not, clips that, that you know really relate to Ike Live mm-hmm. and this show. And this particular clip, I think Brian the Carpenter found this one. Oh, good Lord. This relates to my early days of fishing, back when I used to break dance and pop <laughs> on the street corner and put a hat down for a nickel. You know what I mean, Bob? You remember that. I definitely know what you mean. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so with no further ado, let's go to Clip of the Week. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't say anything yet. Wait, there it goes! Oh my god! Look at that! What the? What is that? Oh my god! What the heck? Hey, what is that? <laughs> is that you? <laughs> I know Soul <laughs> Who is that guy? <laughs> 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 He's happy. <laughs> wow. How late was it when you found this video oh last my night? Gosh. Hold on. That was that Clip of the Week. Let's start with Bob. Bob? Opinions on Clip of the Week? No comment, dude. <laughs> no comment? <laughs> nah. Beck? Anything on Clip of the Week? I, I got nothing. I mean... All right, let's go to Bri, Bri, the carpenter. They were some fresh moves. Fresh moves, I man. It. It's, it. it's obvious that that kid got some inside information. <laughs> he definitely had local knowledge. There's something going on there. I, I think uh, the, the Beach Street crew, uh, or, or the rock, Rocksteady crew, showed him some moves there. That's unbelievable, man. So um, I, what we're going to do right here is I want you guys to continue. You can talk about that clip a little bit. I'm going to take a little potty break. Bri, we got some calls. Maybe calling in about the clip of the week. I'm gonna take a little potty break. Just, just keep it rolling for me for a second. Keep rolling. Uh, all right. 
I have a feeling we're we're, we're up to something. <laughs> I'm a little worried. Well, well, a little worried. I don't really have much comments on the clip, but yeah, the clip scared me. I, I, I would I would like to invite everybody over to Bash University TV. Uh, which we just soft launched, and we have right now we got a promotion going on for the BU family. That's what you write in the promotional code to get this introductory rate for Bash University Television. And everybody here at Ike Live, you're part of the BU family, and uh, make sure you check that out and take advantage of that. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later on. Definitely. Hey Pete, um, we've got Curtis here who wants to know what tournament trail would you suggest for me to put my kids in if they want to turn pro. Any thoughts? Well, that's a good question, and it really depends on the age. Um, you know, there's age limitations on a lot of the tournament trails that, that you can participate in. But one of the things that I, I that was extremely valuable to me uh, as a as a young angler, and I mean, you know, in late teenage years, was was getting involved with one of the federation clubs. I mean, there it's an that's an amazing place uh, to find a mentor um, and to travel around, fish bodies of water all over your state and your region. Uh, that's a that's a really that's a really great thing. But one of the other things that I've really used with a lot of the people that I'm teaching, and I think it's one of the best tools out there right now. And I think you also have to be 18 to do it. But uh, to be a marshal in the uh, mm -hmm. you know in the elite program, I mean, one of the, one of the things that goes on is guys will become a co-angler, and uh, and they go out and compete that way, and 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 you get distracted from your own competing as a co-angler to really pay attention. To what that boater or that pro is doing, but in the Marshall program, man, you, your rods are away, your lures are away, and you're watching a guy, you know, doing the best he can to try to win a tournament when conditions are good, when conditions are bad, when you're scrambling like Bob does a lot, you know. <laughs> we all find ourselves in those spots where you got to scramble. I, you know, that's the best learning experience in the world is watching a talented angler have to scramble, watching make those decisions, switch watercolors, switch baits, and move. I mean, that that's one of the most valuable things. But as, a, it, as soon as I turn 16, I think they can get involved with the Federation. Um, and then there's just really a lot of opportunity after that as, as they mature. But that's a, that's a really great, great question. We're seeing a lot more of that coming on. But, oh uh, no! Oh, good oh Lord. I can just no. see by the faces. Oh no! <laughs> is this is this the special guest? I think this might be the special guest. Is the special guest tall? <laughs> I think we've seen this in the in the Berkeley commercial. This guy. <laughs> wow! Look at that jacket. It's amazing. You know, in all these years, I didn't realize that the tail worked. Top rod. <laughs> wow. Look at that top rod. That's classic. <laughs> Brian, does the fish talk? No, the fish doesn't talk. Well, Pete, you can ask some questions. The fish. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Fish. <laughs> What do you think of what do you think of the topic of the information rule? Is that a disadvantage to you and your family? <laughs> so uh, maybe we should ask the fish if it likes certain bait. Uh, what do you think of the uh, the lover? 
The big fish likes the lover. How about the scatter wrap? How about how about the five-hour energy? <laughs> I think he's probably the fish has probably already had a few too many of those. That's quite possible. Oh my! So the fish is going to hang out with us. Well, it's going to hang out. We have a caller on the line. Thank goodness. Help! Help us! I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? I, I, it's going all, well. It it was going all right, <laughs> but I'm currently getting that intimidation look from from the Iconelli bass over there. I don't know if you can see it from where you're from, but uh, hey, welcome to the show. What, what's your question? Hey, Ike, how's it going tonight, man? You hanging out? Y'all hanging out good up there in uh, the North Country? Yeah, we're we're yeah. doing good. This is Pete. Ike is currently, uh, uh, well, missing in action. Has been replaced by uh, by by something. I see. Yeah, I see him sitting there with his fish hat on. I know. But the question I have is for Ike, <laughs> and uh, I I gotta have his answer on this. Uh, I'm a huge huge fan of the sport. Uh, I've been keeping up with it for a long time. I'm about your age, Pete. I'm 51 years old. And, hey, now wait a minute. Um, I'm not quite there yet. That's 10 years okay. younger. Well, That's Bob's age. Well, anyway, I blew that one, I guess. But uh, no, no, I'm I'm in the ballpark. But I I still okay. I still talk to you. I'm 20. I thought you were, but anyway, uh, I've been fishing since I was a kid. You know, I grew up with a rod and reel in my hand and I've been fishing. I fished a lot of, you know, team tournaments over the years. Never fished anything big. Fished a couple of Jerry Ryan's tournaments back in the day at Lake Hartwell. Uh, Hartwell's my home lake. That's where I cut my teeth at and learned how to bass fish. But uh, I just want to know, I caught your opinion of Lake Hartwell. And uh, what do you think about having another classic there? And and do you like these cold weather classics versus versus the time of the year that was when you won yours? Would you rather have them now in the cold weather, or would you rather have them in the hot weather? Well, it's, those are great questions, and uh, and and I'll have to be your answer man on behalf of Ike for the moment. But I'm going to make him answer those questions when uh, when he ever does return. But the uh, I tell you, Lake Harwell is a really really cool lake. Um, it's it's a it's a clear lake, and I mean I fished <laughs> I fished some tournaments where bass the size of that guy right there in the camera were swimming around everywhere, and I, I can't recall ever seeing a place like that before where there were so many six pound seven pound class fish cruising in the in the pre spawn period. Uh, so yeah. it's a phenomenal fishery. Uh, it, oh, it's it got, is. It really is. I mean, it's it's got a it's got the those blueback herring in it, and I don't know how they're. Yes, it does. Yeah, they're doing. But I, I recall tournaments where, man, it, this was the most amazing thing. Uh, I fished a tournament one time where, in just a, in a few hours of fishing, I probably made three casts. You know, where I held my cast, waiting for the bass to explode on the blueback herring. Um, right. Right. It's a it's a crazy way to fish, but I, but at that time, you know, I saw so many great big fish cruising all over the banks, and it it's really yeah. an amazing fishery there that you well, have, and I look most, forward to coming back. Most people that fish the lake, they pay too much attention to those bluebacks prior to uh, post spawn. They really don't come into picture 
all that much, you know, uh, until it gets into the pre-spawn. The best thing you can do if you're going to fish the lake is just if you're going, uh, you know, before they spawn, in the pre-spawn period is, uh, you know, just, just fish just like you normally would anywhere. And, uh, you know, you, you may see the bluebacks. They might come up. I've been down there and caught them. Come up schooling in January on them, you know, in 48-degree water. Mm. And uh, and you can get well in a hurry. And uh, but, but really, just don't pay any attention to them. Just fish like you normally would. You can run up. You can run up the Seneca Arm next to Clemson University and fish stained water, mm-hmm. yep. or you can run you can run way up the Tugaloo Arm and fish some of those creeks up there, up that arm, and fish stained water. You don't have to fish clear, but if you want to, you want to talk about clear water. Ask Shaw Grigsby about Lake Joe Cassie. He's fished Lake Joe Cassie, which is the first lake on that chain, and I fish it every Saturday in the summer months. We have a derby down there. That's a and great usually chain. you can see the bottom in 25 to 30 feet of water. That's a, it's that a great clear. chain. I mean, uh, well, I fit, we fished uh, Richard R- or Russell, which is, I guess, the next, right. next one yes, down. That, yes, that that's that's the lakes. next lake down. Yeah, that whole chain of lakes is just full of fish. And and uh, yes. and, and one of the questions that uh, apparently my partner's return. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter, and sorry about that. That's a, well, we appreciate you coming back. But the, one of the questions that he asked was um, was regarding the cold water class. And would you like the classics to come back to Hartwell? And and what do you think of the cold water classics versus the summertime classics? I like the cold water classics. I mean, I think it's uh, it, it's a different style of fishing. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'd go back to the summer. To be honest mm. with you, I would. What do you think of like Hartwell? I love Hartwell, man. I I want revenge on that place. I I like it a lot. I felt like last time we were at the Classic there, I had an opportunity to win. Um, I had a bad last day. My wife lost her appendix. You know, some bad things happened at that week. But really, true story. I hate to hear that. She lost her appendix at Lake Hartwell. She left it. Well, not actually at the lake, but in what is it, Greenville, right? In Greenville. Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, that's where they had the weigh-ins at. Yeah. You know the funny thing about that too. Is after you know it was the last day her stomach was hurting they took her in they found out her appendix was gone they had to rip it out of there and all that and um, I actually asked and they're the, done that. I know I I asked the doctor I wanted to keep it <laughs> I mean that that's rightfully ours don't you think jig trailer no seriously I mean I wanted that appendix because I you know I thought like in a bottle of formaldehyde on the mantle yeah. it would be like an amazing conversation piece yeah it could sit right next to the placentas from the four babies oh, oh I didn't say that. <laughs> but that would be cool too. But I like uh, that's a little bit I, out there for me, Ike. Uh, yeah. Are you going to make it uh, back to the classic state. this coming year? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I've had I've had a a uh, less than amazing start. I, I've had a bad start, but uh, you know it's a long season, and uh, you know I've got the opens, and and if you win one, you're in. So you know I'm still alive for for a bid for the classic, and. And, uh, well, good I luck like to it. you, man, and I hope I you do make it back. I and appreciate if you do, it. I'm yes. going to come down there. I'll come up and introduce myself. I appreciate my it. My name is Mike, and it was uh, good talking to you. Yes, sir. Hey, thank, thank you for the call, wanna, Mike. Appreciate you watching, man. Thanks, Mike. And take hey, care of if you want to grow the sport, have more shows like this. This is what get out there to the fans. I like it. You I sit like here it. home all week with nothing to do, and then you know, grow the sport, man. That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. I'd like to hear that. Cool. Thanks for the call, buddy. Do we have one more caller, Brian? have another caller? No, we don't have a caller. We do, but not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, I got a message from uh, Mark Jeffries. Uh, okay. Uh, 
There might have been some technical issues that we're not aware of. He says, tell the viewers to refresh the page. Refresh the page. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Uh, for all the viewers out there, if you're having problems, refresh the page. I don't know what that means, but refresh yeah. the page. We're still getting tweets. We're still getting tweets. So, okay. We, we even have a shout-out to Bob Soley. We do. Yeah, Joe Morgan fished with him. The uh, Fed tournament two years back on the flats. Awesome time, cool dude. Joe Morgan. Shout-out to Bob Soley. Look at that. There's a shout. He knows who the man is, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Talking a, talking a little bit of... Uh, Let's talk a little bit of classic trivia. The classic that you fished, that Davy Height one, which was ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You had you, you had some you had some big fish though. I, I like to hear this story. Let's talk about this story. Well, the thing about the classic then is I, I think now you guys get what two days of practice, right? We get we get uh, three, days, oh, three days the week the weekend before the tournament starts, and okay. then one day the week of. Yeah, well, back then, 99, it's kind of a good classic because Pete, you and me were all there. We all so, fished yeah, it. Yeah, we yeah. all fished it. And Pete wore pants in Louisiana, dude. It was 900 <laughs> degrees out. I had to stop fishing for an hour because I passed out, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pete had a sauna suit on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, look at this guy, I'm dude. Not su- I'm not surprised you remember what I was wearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tough to miss that butt, dude. <laughs> but anyway, I, I went, uh, I, I practiced, and I, I fished Lake Buff, and... You know, the, the thing about it was the water was up a little bit, and I got on them real good, flipping Hyacinths in there. And, um, you know, they were the winning fishers, no doubt in my mind, you yeah. know. And uh, But the thing about it is I watched the water was dropping through the month of July, and I think we fished at the end of July it was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with that one day of practice, I ran in there, and it was basically just a mud hole, man. I mean, it was so shallow, I couldn't even get in there. And Height won it, um, like an arm that was adjacent right to the lake right there. But the thing that blew me away is that... Uh, the, the creek leading into that had current in it, and I kind of thought that the fish would leave the lake and move into the current since right. it was so hot. Deep they were, water, cooler water. Right. They went into, like, this stagnant, dead-end canal that he fished, and, and uh, you know, the place was completely loaded. But it was just one of those things that you just, you know, yeah. one day of practice, you're scrambling, trying to put something together. And uh, I, I ended up fishing Bayou Black, and I never even made the run. I got lost. And uh, I had to actually kick my light pole off the boat to get underneath this bridge. Uh, to, to get down there to fish, but um, the second day I think Pete went down there with me or whatever. Maybe it was the third day, and there was a lot of fish down there, but they weren't winning fish, man. Right? You know, I know you yep. did good down there. I know you I had did all good, right, yeah. but they weren't. You're right. They weren't the winning right, fish. Right. They weren't the quality. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, dude. How the fish move around like that, man? It is. It is crazy. It's an interesting place. That's a tough place to, to like you said, because like Lake Buff was so far from Bayou Black, which is so far from Venice. You know, it's such a and with they're, one day of hundreds of miles. Apart, you with, can't fish at all with one yeah. day of practice. If you guess wrong on where to put your time in, well, you, you're pretty much out of you, you get eight, yeah. 19 aerial maps to cover that place, yeah. and uh, you know, that's where Mike won his classic, though. So obviously, he figured it out, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, once again, I have to take full credit uh, for Mike winning absolutely the classic. I don't know if you remember borrowing my boat. Uh, to pre-fish for the 2003 Classic. I don't remember that. Did I fish out of your boat? You, you did. You and Uncle wow. Bob took my boat down to the Delta, 
found the winning fish in my boat. Wow. And it was never the same. <laughs> I fouled your boat up permanently. I think, I think the motor blew the next, the next day. <laughs> that, that, that probably happened. <laughs> Man, that was, that was a heck of a I have another story. Heck of a week. I have another story from the 99. Classic story? I have a classic story from 99. I, uh, I drew out, you know, we got writers back then. Yeah. And uh, I drew out a guy from the New York Times who I never, I thought he'd never been in a bass boat. I was going down to Bayou Black. Two hours. I was taking him for a boat ride. Yeah, what's up, and, bro? Um, he, uh, he went and um, I, I was driving past all these tugboat wakes, and they were all just those washboard tugboat wakes. Yeah. And I wasn't paying yeah. attention because I was looking on places to fish. And, and also, I drove past the tugboat, and I didn't, I didn't pay no attention, but the whole boat dropped because it was a different kind yeah. of tugboat. It was an ocean-going boat, yeah. and it was blowing about four or five-foot oh, yeah. waves. Yeah. And the whole boat went down, and my stomach went down with it because I knew exactly what was going to happen next. Because I, I, I hit the next wave, which was like a launch ramp, launched me, and I sailed right into the tallest wave of all those wakes. I speared it. I submarined oh, in the classic. I went right through it, man. I mean, thousands of gallons of water just clubbed me and him in the face. Now, he, you know, was sunny, bluebird. He had his, you know, at that time we had film cameras and his notepads in a le- <laughs> leather bag sitting sitting in the bottom of the Louis boat. Louis Vuitton bag? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I hope not. But maybe. We we hit and we come up. We floated up. I thought we were underwater. And we come up and there's this bag and his camera just floating there. And he's a drowned rat just looking at me. And uh, and he never wrote anything about me. <laughs> Surprisingly, I never got any coverage on that story. In the middle of the Bassmaster Classic, I'm sitting there swamped. It took me 45 minutes to bilge the boat out. Oh, my God. I lost a little fish in time. Unbelievable. Bye. We got a caller. I we see do. A... We do have one caller on the line. And he's very anxious to talk to I believe to Pete. So Pete, okay, caller, how you doing tonight? Caller, hello. We lost the caller. Hello, no, hello. Oh, we got him, caller. Yeah. How you doing tonight? What's your question? You got a question yeah. for Pete? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say congrats, Mike, on the show. Thank you. Big fan. Been a big fan for years. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Oh man, I'm I'm nervous. Sorry, man. That's all right. Uh, What's your name, by the way? Ronnie, Ronnie, I'm I'm actually from South Jersey. That's why I wanted to talk to Pete. Ronnie, all right, good to hear, Ronnie. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, Pete, but you, uh, I guess it was it was probably about ten or twelve years ago. You guided me on, uh, I I think it was on the Delaware River. Okay, I do that a lot. Yeah, I was excited because when I heard about the show, you know what I mean. They told me about it, but uh. Anyway, the question was, because uh, I remember the, the uh, it was like, I think it was crankbaits or something was on, and uh, I was fairly new at the time when I started, you know what I mean? Like, I had just, I don't know if you remember me, I was the guy with the ponytail. I think so. We, we fished in the summertime? Is that right? It was definitely in the summertime, because uh, I only fished a couple times before. It was all, it was the, my first time like fishing with an actual like bass. Uh, That's you awesome. Know, uh, so anyhow, the question was, uh, I remember back then because one of the things you taught me from the beginning, and I always kept this in mind because this was back uh, I want to say back like nineteen, uh, no, two thousand, probably about two thousand one, two thousand two. I don't know. Anyhow. You there? Yeah, well, I'm listening. 
Oh, uh, so uh, the question was, uh, the, there was a kid that I was fishing with. I had brought him under my wing, basically showing him a couple things I knew. And I explained to him, you know, this guy I fished with uh, on the Delaware way back in the day, he taught me a few things, and, you know, it's my... No, it's my thing to just pass it on. You know what I mean. So what? So what was the question? <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry, guys. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous too. This is the first question I've got. Uh, <laughs> you haven't gotten a question yet. <laughs> Pete, don't blow this question. <laughs> Set Pete Man, back. I know. I can't mess this uh, one up. I got off track when I got nervous. But anyhow. Uh, Anyhow, going back, I fished with you back in like 2000. You guided me on the Delaware. Uh, we did all right. I remember I caught my first uh, largemouth over two pounds. So it was an accomplishment, you know what I mean? Especially on the river. What's that? That's, that's an accomplishment for Pete, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I was two pounders you know, big in his book, man. <laughs> well, that was that's still big for me. But anyhow, getting back to the question, uh, uh, I talked to a couple of buddies. Oh, uh, no, wait a minute. I took out my uh, niece's cousin. I was talking about the little kid, and I was trying to teach him along some of the stuff that you had taught me, a couple of things that you had taught me about. But uh, fast forward two years. Uh, <laughs> you there? Yeah, yeah. We're still here. Uh, <laughs> no, go, go ahead. Can you, can, can you fast forward to the question? Yeah, so fast forward a couple years later, uh, I was fishing with my brother-in-law, and he mentioned you. And he's like, yeah, I fished with a guy, Pete, down on the flat. And I said, uh, what was his last name? You remember? He said, yeah, Gluzak. I said, yeah, I remember him. There's the same guy that taught me uh, a thing or two down over on the Delaware, you know what I mean? So anyhow, uh, the question was... Uh, I remember the question, but uh, it was nice talking to you, man. <laughs> and Ron, Ronnie from South Jersey. Round of applause. Round of applause. Come right, here, round of applause God for bless, Ronnie. God bless you all. all right, God bless you, Ronnie. Thank you, buddy. What was the question, Pete, on that? I don't know. I, 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 was, I think Becky was like, was that Ed Bassmaster on there? I don't know. That was, was a, a weird for? call. That was that was cool. I'm glad it was for me, though. That was fun I, having a call. That was a great call. <laughs> uh, man, this has been a great show so far. And I look at my watch, and we're almost at 9 o'clock, which is time for our guest, man. Awesome. Very excited about this. It's a big part of the show. Uh, and, and let's see. Um, one more time, if any... Anybody's having problems here tonight? I'm having some problems. You're always having problems. <laughs> can, can you get a close-up of that? I don't know. Pete, Pete needs Pete needs some Viagra Pete, on his mic. Pete, you got low T. <laughs> Pete has low T. If anybody wants to donate some tea to the studio, Pete needs it. This mic's having issues. Uh, I think we got it. I think we got uh, it. If anybody's having issues, uh, refresh your browser. I know there were some people that were calling in having some issues. Refresh your browser. Or just refresh with a, a dogfish head, 60-minute IPA. Nice. That's a good refreshing beer, by the way. I'd like to have one of those. Uh, but we're going to get Brian. Can we get? Can we get? Uh, can we get Brett on the phone? Is he already on the phone? Or uh, can you get him on the phone here no, in the next I couple minutes? I will work on that diligently. Okay. So we got a couple minutes here. We're going to get B Height on the phone. Let me remind everybody that he did something this year that he did before. Amazing. Amazing. That's super tough to do. 
which is to win two major events in the course of one year. Yeah, that that was amazing. I mean, he did it. He did it. What four years ago? Five years. He did ago? it four or five years ago with winning two FLW tours back to back, and then he goes and does it this year and wins an FLW tour on Lake Okeechobee, and then about a month or so later, a BASS Elite event on Lake Seminole. That's a hard thing to do. You know, winning is hard. I mean, let, let, let's get Bob to weigh in on the, on this too, dude. To put yourself in a position to win is one thing. But to close a win, to actually win it, mm-hmm. is a very difficult thing. It's very difficult. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, like for me, even you know, fishing, I've had plenty of good tournaments, but I never won. I know you, Pete's won. You've definitely won. And it's it's boils down to like such a fine line to to either be hoisting a trophy or going home in tenth place. Yeah. You know, and things sometimes just don't work out. You lose fish, something breaks, whatever the case one may bite. be. One bite. The one bite. Yeah, and that can one make, miss fish. Yep, yeah. that can make all the difference in the world and you know winning back to back events is amazing because like you said to me winning one is hard enough you know and then to win two back to back in the same year is just unbelievable but it's not it's you know everything has to be going right and you have to I think in my opinion you have to be fishing what you're comfortable with Confidence base. Exactly. Base. Yep, yep. Yep. And Brett Height, when he won back to back, I think before he was throwing a chatterbait a lot, and I think he won at Seminole with the chatterbait. And uh, so, you know, that that plays a big factor in it, man. Confidence is huge. Confidence is. A lot has to come together to get the win. I've always like thought of it like it's almost magic. You know, it's like the it comes together f- for you, and it's a it's an amazing thing when it happens. I remember the first time I won. And I told you about it. I wrote down every single thing that I was thinking about. During the win, before, because I couldn't figure out how to win. You know, I had fished a bunch of pro tournaments, yeah. and, I, and I, I got close a lot, but I never could win. And, and when I finally did, it, it was uh, I'm like, well, what the heck did I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, why did I trying win? Trying to figure out the magic equation, right? Yeah. Trying to, and, and you know what? The, the interesting thing is that magic equation is different for me than it is for you, than it is for Bob, and it is for every angler out there. Uh, you need to fish your strengths. You need to. Your head needs to be a certain way mentally to be able to get yourself in that zone to even be able to win and yeah. it's it's a difficult thing so Brett doing it you know what else he did too by by one of those wins at the FLW he broke the record for the heaviest winning margin for the FLW so he didn't just win blew it he away crushed him with it's another te- hard thing to do with a technique that was relatively new at the time yeah. and he had he had de- one of the first guys to develop that technique yeah. and boy he had put a beat down on us hard i was in that tournament yeah. that was impressive it's tough to win by a big margin in a pro event. You know, usually it's a pound, a couple pounds, mm-hmm. but when you win by 8, 10, 12 pounds, that's a that's an amazing thing. You're dialed when you win yeah, like that. No doubt. Okay, with uh, without any further ado, we have the two-time champion himself on the phone, Brett Height. Brett, how you doing tonight? Be Height. Be Height. What's big, up, fellas? The big kid. How you doing, man? Big kid. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Hey, hey, Pete. I do want to know exactly how you won at Cayuga there. If you don't want to. Hey, 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 hey. Be careful with you know, what information. Hey, you hey that's information. You can emphasize on exactly how you won there. Really, you know, would really help help a brother out. You know? <laughs> well, well, tune in. Hey, 
tune into Bash University TV. Should we launch the Cayuga seminar prior to the yeah. Cayuga tournament? No, don't, don't do that. Do it a day after. Yeah. We don't want, yeah, we don't yeah, want yeah, that information. Exactly. Where, where yeah. are you at tonight, man? Because you've been, you're one of the tour guys. And, and for everybody at home doesn't know, B-Height is one of the guys that fishes like a maniac. And he's mm. fishing like 8,000 tournaments this year or something. You were like six weeks back to back. Where are you at? Are you finally at home? Uh, I, yeah, I find, I got home yesterday morning, um, and I had been gone. You know, I, I worked the classic, um, you know, watching you guys on the sideline there. And, uh, it, uh, you know, so I think I'd almost been gone just about eight weeks from home. And that's wow. like, as you guys know, I mean, that's like way over your limit. I don't care if you get to go home two days. That's just like sanctuary it just makes you feel so much better if you can get home so i was like to my breaking point um i actually actually zona called me and asked me if i could do a you know a a studio show on this wednesday in in little rock i'm like brother (laughs) i love you but i'm like for my sanity and my morale i got i gotta get home you know wow nah dude is this the first time you've attempted this brett Two trails? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I've never really fished two, two tours. You know, I, I mean, the reason is, I mean, obviously FLW cut their schedule back. Um, not, I guess, last year, you know, to six events, and, and that's really when I, when I, you know, kind of made the decision I need to try to fish bass too, fish the elites, and went out and fished the central division, which obviously any any division of the of the center of the the opens is super tough to qualify for the elites and. Um, happy to get l- lucky enough to qualify, and you know, I decided this year. You know, I don't, I don't really think we're always going to have the opportunity to fish both tours with them, with the schedules permitting. Right. So I, I told myself, you know, at this point in time, things are good in my life. Um, you know, I, I obviously we, I just got married, but we don't have any kids or anything like that. You know, you know, you might as well try it now. So yeah. um, I knew that this last stretch is, man, that's the real grinder. That six weeks. I think since the second or third third week of January, I've been home three three or four days. So. Well, um, that's that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I get tired thinking about it, uh, man. I, and, you know, guys like Ish love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know how yeah, he does it, it man. I, I don't know how Ish does it. it. Yeah, I don't know how he does it every year, man. I, I just like, dude, I got to get home just to, like, I mean, there's something, like you guys know, like I said before, if you could just get home for three days, it just does wonders to your morale, yeah. you know? It's it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we, I, I got. I'm sorry. I got. No, go ahead. I got a question. Just kind of change topics a little bit. B. The. Uh, I mean the the chatterbait is is like become your your deal. I mean you're crushing them with it. And the first time I had an outdoor writer get in a boat with me, he gave me a chatterbait. I thought it was the most ridiculous lure I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> and I dropped yeah. it in my boat and I never used it. How, how did you get introduced to that vibrating jig and how did you? get started yeah, th- th- with it and get confident. This so is an fast. interesting topic because we've yeah. had we've already had questions come through. You know, you're a West Coast guy, you're supposed to be a finesse guy, six pound test, four pound test, and you've really yeah, dominated yeah. power fish. Power fish. With, with a vibrating yeah, jig. I, 
How'd that happen? I mean, in the beginning of my career, you knew me. I mean, that's that's I I I made a living off fishing the drop shot and learning how to finesse fish. You know, when nobody else really was doing it back east. I mean, um, when I got second to you at Lake Seminole, uh, yeah, drop shot and when nobody else was that's right, drop shot um, in those trees. You know, hey Pete, what, what's funny? Is when I first found out about the chatterbait, I ordered some green pumpkin ones. You know, they were like impossible to find. Okay, so I ordered some, and I got like four of them, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is just a piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought the same thing that you did. Wow. You know, I, I and, and and really didn't really open my eyes till actually a buddy of mine. I went up to Skeet Reese's 40th birthday party. And it was one of those years where Clear Lake was just like on the boom. And I flew up there and a buddy's like, hey, you need to come up a couple days early and let's go to let's go to Clear Lake. It's just like crazy. So we went up there and just messed around. I mean, it was so good. I, I think we caught 90 fish that day. And in the first half hour, we had 25 pounds. You know, it was just like you could throw anything out. So he's like, hey, try this chatterbait. And I caught, a, you know, a bunch of little ones on it. And then I started kind of experimenting with it later that year at Clear Lake, um, you know, and I sat down and rigged it up with a, you know, swim base style trailer, kind of like, a, and I, I always was a customer of that green. I, I really like, as you guys know, big, big bass feed on bluegill. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. so I, I really, really wanted to key in on that bluegill style color. Um, so I rigged it up. I was at Clear Lake practicing for uh, ever, or, uh, a Western Series event, FLW, and I rigged it up and put a swim bait trailer on the back and, you know, a little chartreuse on the tail. I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like a bluegill. Mm -hmm. First cast caught a five-and-a-half-pounder. And I'm like, huh, maybe there's something to this thing. And from then on, our new, our first tournament was at Lake Toho, which you, you fished, Pete. Mm -hmm. And I kept on, everyone kept on telling me, you know, I, years past, you know, swim jig, swim jig, swim jig. I'm like, well, this thing's as good as a swim jig. And I went there and just found, found the bite where everybody was trying to punch. And um, they were obviously on that reaction bait. That's how I kind of ran into it. And I've just been, you know, taking it ever since. It's amazing. It's amazing, man. And by the way, let me remind all the viewers, uh, you can call in. You know, we've got a number. Brian's going to put the number up here in a second. You can, uh, you can call in. Or a better way to ask Brett questions right now is go to the Twitter feed. Go to my Twitter feed at, at Mike underscore Iconelli. Ask him anything you want. And the one question we keep getting, I'm going to pose it for you, is okay. we keep getting questions about your tackle. Be height. Tell me about your tackle a little bit. We've got all these people uh, e emailing in, want to know about what's the deal with this glass rod you're using. Tell me about that a little bit. That, that's the biggest misconception of this bait. Um, people think of it as uh, uh, it looks like a jig. Okay, so they want to put it on their heavy jig rod, you know, uh, uh, you know, heavy action graphite rod. I think of this bait as a crankbait, which I know you like throwing glass rods oh, too. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's kind of weird. You know, we went through this huge cycle on fishing where glass rods were kind of like uncool for a while, you know. And then in the last like seven or eight years, you've seen this big push of glass rods. It, there's no substitute for the action that a glass rod produces. Um, I mean, you can have the best graphite designers. It, it just does not act the same. So yeah. 
I always use 20 pound sunline fluorocarbon, um, just 20 pound fluorocarbon all the time. I don't use braid. And I use that glass rod um, in a couple different reasons why. The fish eat it better. Uh, when they get it, the rod actually lets the fish get the bait without, you know, if you have a, a broomstick of a rod, the fish eats the bait and the rod is pulling back instantly. Um, so it lets the rod load up um, and the fish actually, just like a crankbait, um, get the bait better. You don't lose fish as much because um, a lot of time when the chatterbait is a very aggressive strike. And when you're winding it, they will knock, you know, two, I'm sure you guys both know, you know, they'll knock two or three feet of slack in your line. Um, so you, if you have a real stiff rod, you're going to get a lot more slack in your line trying to catch up to that. Um, so you, you lose a lot less fish using that. And this is, a, I mean, I'm using a seven seven foot three Evergreen rod, uh, Evergreen International. A lot of people don't know, but it's you know it, it's they're a Japanese company that is very popular in Japan. That are just starting to come over here. They make super high end you know crankbaits, hardbaits, and really probably the, the nicest rods in the market. Um, but it's a seven three heavy heavy action glass rod is what I'm using. And the other thing. If, if you were to get, like at Lake Seminole the last day, I, I skipped my chatterbait up under a dock and a six-pounder eats it almost at the trolling motor. Um, with a graphite rod, I probably would have ripped that bait right out of the fish's mouth. Um, so just there's a bunch of different scenarios. I just, you know, you want to get away from uh, the theory that it's a jig. You want to think of the chatterbait more like a crankbait. But let, a crankbait, crankbait, spinnerbait kind of mix. Yep. Let that fish get it a little bit before you get into them. A little bit of that delay factor we talk about a lot. You that, know? Yep, that delay. Yeah. Yep, I exactly. Think it's, you, you, I, I've become a chatterbait nut in recent years, and they do knock slack in the line. And they, cut, they hit it from behind a lot, which causes yep. some concern and confusion by a lot of anglers that I take out. But uh, but I was listening to your seminar. We captured you talking about this after you won Toho at, at one of our Bash University events. And, and to listen to you explain that in detail was amazing uh, how, how you got that figured out so early. You you were you were so far ahead of the curve from a lot of us. That was uh, yeah. you know that was that was amazing to see. Yeah, that, yeah and I think another another thing when you go to rip that out of the grass, if you have a real stiff rod, you're actually ripping it out of the strike zone too quick. Um, so I want that little sponginess to you know when it hits that grass. I mean, whether it's a crankbait or a spinnerbait or a chatterbait, I want it to have contact with whatever cover I'm, I'm fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, with a chatterbait, it's, it's, it's grass. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I hit a piece of grass, I'm going to rip it out of there. I, I mean, I watched Mike, I watched you beat me at Lake Seminole. Um, I mean, and I was watching the video. I mean, you're ripping that crankbait. Whenever it hits grass, you're ripping it out of there, and that's giving that bait the erratic action that makes the fish trigger to bite. Um, and, I, I, and not, you're, you're exactly and, right. I've seen Mike do that, too, uh, the way he rips that bait out of the grass. Let me ask you this question. And now, i got to tell you, Brett, you were the most popular 
on Bash University TV. Yeah. Your, your video, everybody's fascinated by what you're doing with the Chatterbait. You're getting views like 30% more than anything else that we have going. Uh, it's amazing that you know people are interested. But one one of my questions, because I get this question a lot, because I talk about the Chatterbait, and um, you know when have you figured out when you throw a spinnerbait? When you that, throw a chatterbait? Well, that's a good question. And when you throw a swing that, jig? That's a good question. Because or when you throw a jerkbait or <laughs> Twitter. Is that a Twitter question, too? <laughs> that's a great question because we've got Bob Soley in the studio with us, and he insists that a chatterbait has not replaced the spinnerbait. It's just an additional tool. Right, Bob? It hasn't replaced it. Nah, I, I ask, think that... Ask, ask, ask Bob how many tournaments in the last five years, major tournaments, have been won on the spinnerbait. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, I think. And uh, it, I, it seems that the conditions, though, with the chatterbait to me, you guys always seem to be fishing around grass. I mean, not that you can't catch them around wood and other sure. things, but I think the spinnerbait still has a place. You know, it still has oh, a place. Oh, it does. I, I, I think I was wrong at uh, Lake Sam Rayburn, which was on this last six six week stretch. I think they ate the spinnerbait better there. Yeah. Um, the thing with the spinnerbait, you can wind it slower through that strike zone. That's yeah, what and you can fish yeah. it deep. The other question, I have, a, I have my question to you is that you do you throw the spinnerbait at all, or do you just stick I, to the? You know, yeah, I, I do still throw a spinnerbait. Um, not as much as I used to, um, but obviously I'll, I'll tell you a couple downfalls of the chatterbait. It does not go through, let's say if we're fishing buck brush and logs, yeah. lay down, it does right. not go through um, stuff like that as good as a spinnerbait. A spinnerbait is super weedless and yeah. around brush. I mean, you really have to wind that chatterbait fast for it to come through the, the wood um, or lay downs or brush um, efficiently. Yeah, that, that's definitely a big downfall of the chat. And I've never thrown. They have some out there models with weed guards, and I've I've not experimented with those. But boy, you get next to a blowdown tree, that chatterbait just sticks right to it. Yeah. Once. Yeah, I, I got a couple ideas that might be coming down the chute on on how to make that. Here, here's that, something. That. Here's something interesting. We've got Brad. I don't know if you know this, but as I don't know if you're watching the show, but Brian the carpenter, who is our producer, is showing pictures uh, in a loop here of you. A lot of uh, pictures where you've won. You're holding big $100,000 uh, checkup. And there's this one picture that keeps coming up of you playing a guitar. We didn't know that. Are you musical? I didn't know that either. Right. <laughs> where did you find that picture? New album drops in uh, May. Your new album drops in May, apparently. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. There, there is time. another Brett Height. There must be. Nah. There's no, not? It, nah. It's there, there, is, there, is, there is two of me, but I don't know. <laughs> he plays guitar. I don't know why. That's good yeah. there's two of you. You can yeah, put in the work. Yeah, exactly. I Man. think he, he was actually on The Voice and didn't make He it. was on The Voice? Yeah. See that? There is another Brett Height out How'd there. How'd you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, dance? No, he didn't even make that. He didn't get he, no turnarounds. Okay. Uh, All right, yeah. Beck. What, what do we got? We have any more Twitter questions? Yeah, we've got. We've got a handful. Okay. Uh, for you. So one is, how do you paint the blade of your chatterbait black without the paint chipping off? It's a good question. Uh, see, the best the best way to do metal and black is anodizing. 
Um, and, you know, any other way, I, I would, you know, if you are really hardcore, um, you know, the, other, the only other way is to powder coat stuff like that which both of them are, are more expensive than, than a lot of big companies want to pay, you know, right. to have done. Gotcha. So anodizing or powder coating, um, if you could have somebody, uh, you know, either stamp your blades or, you know, if you can just get them raw without any any uh, nickel plating or anything like that and take them. You know, there's a lot of local... Um, a lot of local powder coating shops anywhere, pretty much anywhere in the country, and you could get that done, which would which would be just fine. Yeah. Gotcha. Second is um, people want to know about your trailer choices on the Chatterbait. It's a good question. I can yeah, answer this. I watched your video thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, here's the thing. I, I I've been getting the the, the questions. I I picture a Chatterbait is like a, a square bill crankbait. It has the, uh, the erratic motion that triggers a strike similar to a square bill. When it hits a piece of grass, it deflects and does a erratic action out of its cadence, out of its straight line. And so what I did is I took the weedless erratic motion that the chatterbait produces, and I, and I combined that with a swimbait appearance or swim bait trailer. And so by doing that, you get the erratic action that, that triggers strikes, and you get the appearance of a swim bait, which is very realistic, that gets those bigger bites. Have, have you, and, I just, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it, are you using a trailer hook? Have you experimented with a trailer hook? A lot I, of guys I have that. Yep, I have. Um, the only way that I use it, Domagatsu makes a trailer hook that has, you know, a lot of time we use like a surgical tubing. We put the trailer hook on there and then we use the surgical tubing over it yeah. um, to hold it on there. Whatever trailer hook, I use a super small trailer hook, like a one-off. Domagatsu makes a one-off that has almost like a, a plastic melted into the eye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you, you clip it over your hook. You want the trailer hook to stand straight out because if it's loose and flops around, it catches your trailer all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want a real small, short shank trailer hook that is, um, you know, that has that solid eye so I can adjust, you know, so that it just stands out straight and, and it doesn't flop. Um, and that, that's what I've found the best. And I don't throw that on there until, unless, you know, I get some short strikes, um, which is very usually very seldom. Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. Good questions from the Twitter feed. So I've got a question. A lot of questions coming from folks. I've got one. I want to talk to you about, you know, the one thing that I noticed is a lot of your wins really are indicative of what we call pattern fishing, you know. And and what I'm impressed with is how you're able to just fish new water. You know, we've got we've got Pete in the studio, we've got Bob. Both of these guys are amazing at pattern fishing. And it blows me away. What's your thought process? What do you when you're out there, what are you thinking about, B? What's going through your mind when you're trying to expand on a pattern? What's that process? I, I let, let's say I go to a place that I've never been. Um, I look at the lake and I try to find, let's say it's a creek or a, you know, a real big, uh, maybe a big cove 
that is very versatile. Um, you know, it might have deep water, it might have stained water, let's say it's a creek. I'm going to put the trolling motor down and start fishing. Um, you know, let's, let's say, I mean, if we're in Florida, you know you're going to be fishing grass. So that's that's pretty pretty much, you know, it's a pretty easy deal. So I would like to start fishing around, um, and if I, if I put the trolling motor down and fish that whole area that whole day, and figure out, okay, I got the most bites on secondary rock points. What I, that, that ding, 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 you know, that goes to my head. Okay, let's go take, and what I like to do when I practice, I like to practice in sections so that when I, during the tournament, let's say I'm, I'm going to fish this section this day, I have multiple spots in one area, so I'm very efficient in my, in my spots. Yeah. I don't want to have, one spot here and then another spot 10 miles down the lake you know yeah. i mean so i want to have i want to have different areas of the lake but i want to have groups of spots in those areas Within so that I'm, I'm yeah so i'm fishing very efficiently yeah so what i'll do is i'll go into one of those areas where i think is very diverse that has a lot of different cover and i'll try to find you know i'll fish that whole area the first day to try to find that pattern and then after you find that pattern, go duplicate it through the next two days of practice. Yeah. Yeah, that was and, great. And, and, and what I found out at Seminole, there was a lot, I mean, a ton of beautiful grass out on the ledges. Um, you know, at Lake Seminole, it's, you know, they say it's a lake, but, you know, it's more like a Tennessee River-style lake. It's... It's a river lake. After you get out of the river channel, it's relatively flat and shallow. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Absolutely. Yeah. So so I found, I mean, all those shoals and, and ledges, they just had beautiful grass on them. But what I found out after fishing for a couple of days, I mean, I could get a couple bites out there on that beautiful grass, but it was very inconsistent. And then I, as fishing, you know, as I fished along, further and further in practice obviously the fish they want they were going to the bank they want to be on the bank because that's where they're going to spawn so the area that i had been fishing didn't have a lot of really good bank grass um and i found the area on the main river that was steeper because i think they had been messing with the water a little bit so the fish were a little little gun shy yeah. to really go back up in those shallow areas. Yeah. So I think they wanted that security of having deep water close by along with good grass. And that's the pattern I put together on the third day, probably about nine o'clock, I figured that pattern out on on the third day of practice about nine o'clock and I ran it of course till <laughs> till we had to go in about three o'clock. Um, but what what won me that tournament is on the first day, um, not knowing when to lay off your fish a little bit, the first and second day I went practicing after I had a big stringer. Yeah, that's that's that, that, that's that interesting. One that is what won me that tournament because yeah. the first day I went and found a spot um, that I caught uh, two big ones late in the day there practicing and went there on the third day and I literally had I think four fish or three or four fish for you know seven or eight pounds and 
and caught 27 pounds an hour off that spot. It's wow. amazing. It's amazing. We talk about that all the time. We talk about finding fish during the event. You know, not necessarily in practice. We talk, yep. even Bob, we talk about it all the time. It seems like I mean, when you find fish and, and that pattern develops during the tournament, you know what I mean? It's unfolding actually yep. as it's happening, that's when you win. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. You're, you're yep. in front of the that's curve. You're, you're ahead of yep. what's going on out there. And I was reading about this win where you, uh, and, and I, I think this is neat. Now, I've done it before, and I, I try to t- teach people how to do it. But you, fat, you caught fish on that pattern, and you went back to your mapping, and you you know you went back to your mapping and saw where those bites occurred, and then were able to find other places like that to go scout during yep. the tournament. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, I could I could literally look at my my graph and my Lake Master map and and literally look at the banks. And and what was crazy, everybody kept on saying, "Do you have any Do you have any fishing pressure?" I'm like. It's kind of weird. Nobody is fishing around me. You know, either I'm doing something way off the wall or, I mean, nobody's found it, which is very, very seldom in in the level that we fish, you know, that nobody's found that. So I could literally go down the, down the lake and look at the map and find those areas, and that's, that's – and, and some people – you know, I mean, it, it, it's a very, very tough decision, as you know, as you guys know, whether to lay off your fish or not. But, yeah. I mean, that's, you, you kind of have a weight in your head of what, what you think is going to be good, yeah. and you got to go with it. You know, let's say it's Seminole, you know, I mean, it doesn't, just like Shaw Grigsby, he weighed 30 pounds the first day. Well, I, I might have been able to weigh 30 pounds the first day, but... I mean, it doesn't good if you, if you burn up your your fish or oh, if you come on, Brent, burn those suckers up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish like so they'll go tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it, that's always a tough decision, you know. Some people say, tough. "Oh, you never leave leave biting smallmouth," which might be a different deal. But I think you've got to figure out kind of a a, a number in your head on on where you where you quit and mm-hmm. you yeah. know, maybe go. I mean. I, I, I would not have made those moves. I mean, that that's just um, pretty much, you know, I, that's kind of a veteran move. You know, I mean, without without fishing for a long time, you're not you're you're probably not going to make those moves. That's so why I, that's you know that's why I like to fish BFLs because they're one day tournaments. <laughs> they yeah. just burn them all day long. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> PG-13. Yeah, no. oh, PG-13. Sorry about that. That's a very difficult. T- that's a very difficult thing to do is leave those feeding fish. It was a veteran move. Obviously, you had you had a feel for how to do the right thing in that scenario. Yeah. You know? uh, 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 that was awesome. I, I tell you, I, I fished that event and it was awesome win. You know, I, I always want to go out and win, but uh, I, I was super happy for you, man, to win that and, and to see that domination. That's awesome. I, I love tournaments where a guy gets dialed like that and just just wins. It. Hey, let's lighten up the topic a little bit, though. How about uh, I, I remember? Play a song for us? No, let's play. It. We, no, you're gonna play a song? No. I remember. What was it? Probably eight, nine years ago. I came out there and we did a little swim baiting. Where'd oh yeah, me? that was your first swim bait. That was my first swim bait. I had a I had a fish almost knocked the rod out of my hands and I missed it. I'm a big hoodie. <laughs> I, I remember you asking me because I caught like a seven pounder and we had a bet between Fred and those boys in the other boat. Uh, whoever caught the biggest one had to buy drinks and dinner that night. That's right. 
and 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 you go so i mean how's it gonna feel i go dude imagine the biggest spinnerbait fight that yeah. you've ever had that amplify that by and that's how that's how it felt but i missed it, <laughs> that's how it was, uh, <laughs> there, dude there were two things that stuck in my mind about that trip actually three gone out to some of the bars down there it was fun that swim bait bite and then i remember humping a cactus Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like what everyone does when they come to Arizona. Yeah, I hope the cactus. It, I vividly remember. Did you prick your prick? I did. The needles weren't did so good on the prick? Your prick? I pricked the prick. I pricked the prick. Hey, man, uh, B. Height, good good friend of uh, of the show. We appreciate you being on, man. Um, we will see you in a couple weeks, man. What is it? Two, what are you going to get? Yeah. Over? Two weeks at home, I guess, right? And we'll see you down yeah. at... Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to Toledo Band, which I hear is the, the best that's pretty much has ever been. Um, you know, it's got a lot of deep grass going right now, and um, this should be postponed. It should be an interesting tournament. It'll be good. High, clear, and grassy. Nice. Good condition. Yeah. Well, in, in, yeah, really good. And, and it's like a 100-mile lake, so, you know, well, there'll be plenty of water to fish. Well, in closing with you, Brad, I'd like to solve the dilemma between a spinnerbait and a chatterbait. Uh, figured yes. it out while we were talking. You did. Yeah, the key is to throw the spinnerbait when they're biting the spinnerbait better. Right. And then throw the chatterbait when they're biting the chatterbait. Wow! Wow! No kidding. Good, good, good. So when, when's that? <laughs> I hope it's Polish pride yeah. talking. Polish pride. Yeah. Yeah. Be height, everyone. Be height. Be height. Thanks for having buddy. me on. I appreciate it. See you in a couple weeks. Okay, buddy. Bye. Man, awesome. Dude, that was... I, I felt like I was a student there for a second. I seriously did. It was a good feeling. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot to that technique. And, you know, I'm learning new... It's it's more versatile than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Yeah. Uh, you used it uh, stroking that jig in the MLF tournament. Absolutely. Which is a whole different way to fish it down lot, deep and on the bottom. And lots of ways. Yeah, there's some, there's going to be new stuff coming out about that technique. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty awesome. And we learned that B-Height plays the guitar and sings <laughs> on the voice. <laughs> Who'd have known? Triple threat. Which is the triple threat. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Drop shot, chatterbait, and he sings. That's unbelievable. So, speaking of drop shot, we're going to get to the next segment, which is... Already the, up. The PU Tip of the Month. The Bash University Tip of the Month. Brought to you by... The Bash University. <laughs> and Bash University Television. And TV, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But this is a good topic because we get questions all the time about drop shotting. And let me remind you, uh, if you have a question, go to the Twitter feed. It's Mike underscore Iconelli at Twitter. Or we we'll have Brian put up the phone number again here in a second. If you've got any questions, call in because we've got our fish head segment coming up. But let's talk about, we had our question come through Bash University about what are some drop shot techniques, secrets, and tips. So let's get on the topic of drop shotting. And you know, it's a shame that we let Brett go at this stage of the game because B. Height has smashed him uh, on many occasions on, on a drop. He has. He has. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's, you know, one of the things about a, you know, talking about a drop shot is a lot of people, you know, they, they think it's exclusive uh, finesse fishing technique, and obviously that's how it was developed, but 
as of late, uh, you know, well, I wouldn't even say as of late, but it, it's it's kind of expanded into more, you know power fishing strategy. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the most unique ways that that I fish it now is uh, fishing on our glacial lakes, heavy millfoil beds, and I pitch and I flip power shotting power shotting into the grass um typically you know you we'd fire jigs and one ounce rigs and and you know something fast but there's times like in hot summer when those fish um postpone they bite anything right but later in the year it gets a little bit trickier to get they succumb to fishing pressure they succumb to the heat and uh man that drop shot just suspended off the bottom yeah. in those same holes that we were catching them with the drop baits is now uh, is winning tournaments and and producing great catches in the milfoil beds yeah yeah what do you think about a drop shot bob <laughs> <laughs> be honest now. Be honest, because we want to hear both sides of the of the coin here. It's it's really not my deal. But what Pete was talking about it, the only time I really fish a drop shot is that uh, pitching it in the grass. I usually wacky rig of Senko, and when the fish are definitely finicky, like they don't want that big jig or a heavy worm or whatever it is, they'll definitely that's that's the go-to bait for me. But that's about as much as I know and want to know about drop shotting. You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna stick to power fishing. <laughs> Screw that. Little finesse sissy bait. Yeah. Beck, we got any questions on Twitter about drop shotting? If we do, you got any? You got any for us? I, I don't. But you don't. I really only drop shot because my husband doesn't let me throw plastics because he thinks I might lose them. That's right. Hard baits. <laughs> Hard I might lose them. Yeah, well, I'm right. not giving you no them none of them twenty dollar baits. Right. Man. Yeah. Shaky head and drop shot all the way. Speaking <laughs> of twenty dollar, just bait. drag them. I have a twenty dollar bait here. The question what a is true or false? Okay, let me see. That's a Japanese bait. Yes. True. There's a little spinner on the back. True or false? That's a $20 bait. Yes. Definitely. Does it catch fish or fishermen? Uh, it's Japonesa, Japonesa. I don't know, man. I, I tell you, a lot of those Japanese baits, though, are, are can be really good. That looks neat. It looks cool. I'm sure if you fished it long enough. Is that the beer can with the spinner on the back? It is. Crankbait with a spinner tail. All right, let's get Those back. Let's get false. back. Let's get back to. I don't know about that. Let's get back to the topic. <laughs> you know so, what? I want to tell you something real quick about drop shotting. Now, for me, I want to tell you my number one deal in drop shotting that I figured out over the years when I'm finesse drop shotting is to not overwork the bait. That's my. That's my number one. Number one freaking tip on drop shot, dude, is I see way too many people throw that bait out there, whatever they're drop shotting, finesse worm, goby shape, whatever it is, especially in clear water, smallmouth stuff, that are, you know, they're, they're dragging it, they're shaking it, it's, you know, a shaky head, it's a tube, they're snapping it. Dude, for me, that, that drop shot, it's at its best when you throw it out there, wait on the bottom, the bait's in line above it. And you and you're just letting it sit. You're letting that bait move all by itself. Mm-hmm. And and you know what I think a lot of people don't realize is that bait's moving all the time mm-hmm. when you're not actively moving your rod tip. Current, you got the shakes, all that stuff. That's that's been my biggest biggest key on on drop shotting for sure, mm-hmm. without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, that that I I know I've been you know uh, guilty of doing that. And I, I remember Aaron Martin's one. one 
great drop shotters talks about that same exact thing. Yep. You know, not overworking. Yeah. Less is more. Yep. Less is more when it comes to that finesse technique. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the ways I I really like a, a drop shot, and I, and I kind of I kind of fold myself in with solely that I you know I, I tend to go to it last. You know, as as my last, and and to my own fault sometimes yeah. I let fish go by me but one one area i never let that happen with is with smallmouth the smallmouth i don't i don't the brown ones you always have to be fishing a drop shot and have one rigged when you're fishing for smallmouth it it can catch fish uh, a lot of times when no other techniques will and it sometimes i will catch the biggest smallmouth in the area so you need to be prepared with that uh anytime i'm smallmouth fishing that's that's a that's a strong strong key for me and and Bob had alluded to man it's tough to beat that wacky Senko especially for big smallmouth um, that and gulp products man they they love to they love attack they love stuff. them some gulp they love them some gulp we got a we got a Twitter question back yeah okay when drop shotting yes. do you prefer braid or fluoroliter ooh good question good question so the question was who who posed that question by the way do you have a name on that Carter White Carter White uh, question was braid or fluorocarbon or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. You want to answer that one, Pete? What's your preference? Well, you know, my my preference is, man, I, I I use a lot of braid with leaders, and I do it a lot when I'm drop shotting. Um, you know, it just makes you versatile. You can change your line diameter so fast, and braid is so easy to manage on a spinning reel in comparison to fluoro. And especially when you're fishing deep and you're getting a lot of spin and twist and you're fighting that, the braid just handles it so much better on your main line. Yeah. And then, you know, you have a you have a pretty long leader system. And, and I've found in the gin clear water of Ontario and Erie that I'm very effective at catching and triggering strikes from big smallmouth, even with that braid that might be five or ten feet up the line they just don't they don't they don't shy away from it yeah. that much so yeah. for that reason i man I, i'm just so comfortable with braid detecting strikes it's outstanding uh transmission you know we talk about using it as a transmission bait by dragging that weight on the bottom tungsten weight tungsten braided weight. line all that feel you know whether you're on shells whether you're on zebras whether you're on rock you can yeah. feel it detecting strikes there's no better uh that's my preference what's yours i, I like them both i like them both i think braid for sure in certain situations is a tool that helps you mm-hmm. uh deep water eliminates all that stretch when i won that lake erie tournament last year dude without a doubt dude eight and ten foot waves when you're up there just you're constantly doing that you, you could have never felt those bites with straight fluorocarbon so in that situation the braid for sure but there's other times man super clear water I mean, like Lake George, mm. crystal ass clear water, table rock. Where I table rock, where I think the braid sometimes hurts you. Mm. Um, shallow water drop shot fishing, where you're looking for more of a natural fall. You're using a 16th ounce drop shot weight, and that fall sometimes that braid wants to keep it floating up. You know, mm-hmm. and you've got a 50 foot cast, and it's all fluorocarbon, and that cast is sinking naturally. You know, so I I like them both, but I. I don't definitely don't think there's anything wrong with a braid to a fluorocarbon leader for sure. Yeah, I, I like them both. Good question. And uh, we've got some callers. Uh, Brian, when you get a chance to put that number back up there, we're gonna put the the toll free number back up here on the screen. If you've got a question about drop shotting, call in. While we're waiting for the next question. 
Remind everybody at home about Bash University TV. You read, you read my mind. I, okay. I, we're talking about drop shotting, and we've captured Brett Height uh, talking about drop shotting. One of the masters of the with, technique. Yeah, yeah, one of the masters of the technique. We're launching that video on Thursday. Every Thursday, Thursday's learning day at the Bash University TV, and we launch a set of instructional videos taken right from our classes. These are these are long-form instructional seminars. They're not eight, five-minute clips. They're long-form. 45 to 60 minute clips where the pros go through their rods, their tackle, their hooks that they use. They relate stories that have helped them change the way that they fish and how those that relates to a drop shot or a chatterbait. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 the best way to learn. And right now, um, anybody here on Ike Live, we're call, you're part of our Bash U family. And it, if you decide to try it, it's $9.99 a month uh, to become a member in the Bash University program and use the code BUFAMILY, all caps. That's B for Bash, U for University, FAMILY, all caps. Put that in the discount code and you'll it's like 33 or something percent off for our initial launch and that's only good through tomorrow. So um, so if, you, if you're watching take it now, it, just try us, take a look at it and, uh, but that, you know, we're, it, it's something that we've worked on for years. We've, we've got advanced instruction from Shaw Grigsby to B. Height to Randy Howe uh, to you and I talk about smallmouth and tidal water tactics. Everything that's important in fishing, we have a pretty advanced seminar on it and yeah. we're, we're pretty proud of that product and uh, we've been getting great feedback from everybody that's watched so it's far. It's neat, man. It's a neat way to learn. You can learn at home, on your computer, on your laptop, on your smartphone. It's bringing it right to you. Wherever you are. and I, Like I was watching B. Height, you know, listening to his seminar because I get so busy I can never watch him. During were you the watching him while you were taking a dump on the toilet? Or? <laughs> well, I, I I can't remember exactly, but I, I I remember that I put it on and I went about my business and I was listening. Say you yeah, were taking a dump. Know, so, uh, I knew it. You know, I know. BUTV, check it out. We got a caller, Brian. We do. Special shout out to Brett from Illinois for calling in and getting through for the third time. Wow. But I had to drop him. Okay. In Thank you, Brett. Of, in favor of Larry from Dallas. Okay, Larry from Dallas. How you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. Yourself? Oh, pretty good. What's your question, brother? I was wondering, have you ever used like a 7-inch ribbon tail worm compared to the normal straight worm on a drop shot rig? I, that's a great question, and uh, and the question was using a different style bait. You know, I think we all get really caught up, and you know, you you, you hear all these seminars, you read the magazines, and everybody's fishing a four inch straight tail, you know, or or a you know a six inch straight tail, very traditional drop shot baits. I think there's a big opportunity for different style baits. Um, you know, you heard Pete talking earlier about power shotting, and Bob too likes the power shot. I think those bigger baits, to me, are better when you're power shotting. So a ribbon tail worm, for me, a creature bait is a big one that I power shot. Um, but, but, you know, the other one is a soft stick bait, you know, a Senko-style bait, a, uh, a Berkeley Havoc flat dog. You can use untraditional-style lures on a drop shot, and it's just as effective. I'll tell you what, for me... It's all about that bait being off the bottom horizontally. Think about it. What other technique can you do, can you, can you use where that bait's going to stay off the bottom at any length that you pick, and it just sits there and hovers off the bottom? Uh, it, it's a very unique, unique deal. So for me, I haven't really played with ribbon tail worms, but I don't see why they wouldn't work. I, you know, I see, I, and I, I 
But I had a problem with that too when I first started looking into it. The uh, we had up at Lake Champlain, um, guys were winning tournaments, drop shotting, um, speed, crawl. speed crawl, absolutely, a speed crawl which had swimming tails, and um, and I th- kind of thought to myself, well, if I'm doing no action to the lure, yeah, what advantage would a swimming tail be? And um, and I really, I really don't have an answer to that other than. It, it it really won tournaments up there. The fish really related to it in that there's no action, but when you move it, that tail goes. It activates. It activates. Current activates it. Current activates it, and yeah. that subtle movement of those uh, of those baits, you know, are effective that way. So uh, I would I typically choose a straight tail because that allows me to impart action onto the bait. But uh, but I can see in very subtle situations, letting current or the slight drift of the boat, you know, activate those baits. I could see it being very effective. I've never personally tried a seven-inch ribbon tail worm, but I, I th- really think anything goes on the back of a drop shot. You know. There's your answer, man. Be versatile. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Bob. What do you think about um, drop shot and a burnt hot dog? On a barbecue. Sounds disgusting, man. I've seen some hot dogs you cooked yesterday, dude. No thanks. <laughs> no goose. No, no goose. No, no, your wife cooked those. Ah, oh, don't flip flop that like that. We've got Frankie from Iowa. Frankie. 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 What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? How you doing tonight? Good. What's your question, uh, my, sir? My, my question is, I've watched a lot of videos on, you know, guys like Aaron Martin's, all the knots they use. What's your what's your knot for tying a drop shot? Great, great question. Great question. And uh, I, I'll start, and I'm going to pass it around to the, to the house here. Uh, you know, for me, when I'm drop shotting, when I go to straight fluorocarbon, I love to tie... An improved clinch knot. An improved clinch knot on fluorocarbon is a super knot because there's a little less burn when you cinch that knot down. And so, you know, improved clinch knot is uh, through the eye of the hook, and then you've got to compensate your tag end for whatever that length of that leader is. And then I do about six or eight wraps to go through the eye and then back through it. Uh, it's a super knot when you're going to straight fluorocarbon. Now, fluorocarbon, the braid, I'm going to let Pete talk a little bit about that. There's a different knot there you want to use to connect those two lines, right, Pete? Yeah, well, uh, when it comes to connecting leaders, there's a knot that I use, and I you know, I talk about this in in class a lot. Like, the uh, the double uni knot is is the knot that I, you know, I would have to say that most people feel is the strongest and the best knot, but I'm pretty horrible at tying that knot. <laughs> Every, it takes me a year to tie it. I need two extra hands, and every time I pull it, it breaks. So you know, I've I opt for a different type of knot. And and if you if you can Google Pete Gluzek's knot, and you'll see it. It's right. You, you can find it anywhere on the internet. And uh, the, uh, <laughs> I, what's funny? <laughs> Check that knot out. It's the fastest knot. It's the it's the most consistent knot to marry the two lines because I really as I apparently cracked up the room at my own expense but the um, it's uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> 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 oh my god 
it, it, it's a great. It's the fastest way to marry the two lines, and and they could and you could talk about why that's so funny here in just a second. But it, but what it does is like I fish around zebras all the time, and man, I'm always having to retie leaders, and it took so long. I use Pete's knot, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you you use Pete's knot, and you'll you'll catch them too. <laughs> oh, Frankie, thanks for the call, man. I hope that answered some of your questions. This is a good time. <laughs> this is a good time now that we're all we're all dying here. Uh, talking about Pete's balloon knot. Um, let's go ahead, since we've got a lot of feedback already. Let's keep this train rolling. It's a good knot. It's a go- I know it's a good knot. Your, your knot's got to be good, man. I think that knot's loose, though. Don't you, bud? <laughs> There's no doubt, dude. I mean, I think his knot's so loose, you know? There's been a lot of damage to that knot over the years, if you know what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, this is a great time to segue to, this is probably the coolest part of the show for me, is our fan feedback section. And we like to call it the fish head segments. Brought to you by... Fishity.com. And uh, and we're going to do something special. Now we're going to open it up to any callers. And again, the Twitter is the Twitter feed is Mike underscore Iconelli. Ask your questions. And our first question of the night is going to get a Fishity gift pack. It's going to include a hat, a t-shirt, a cooler, I mean a koozie. And, and it's some other nice stuff. Sweet. Okay? So any question you want, this is the fan feedback uh, section. And uh, do we have a caller? Do we have a caller? Do we have a Twitter question? Who's going to win this one? What's the question? Well, I don't know. We're opening it up to any question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we change that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there is a delay, so people yeah. don't know to call yet. Right. Uh, there is. A so wait, wait a minute. How is this working? They're going to call and ask us a question. This is this is fish head segment. They can ask us anything now. We're going to open it up. And they get a, they get the prize just for asking the question. Well, we've got a prize. The first caller for this official segment gets a fishy gift pack. Oh. And then we're going to do a trivia question. At the close of the show, which is about ten minutes. I, I, then whoever gets the correct answer to the trivia question, right, will also get. That's the tackle warehouse one. Tackle. But we're fishy right now. TW. Do we have a caller? We do. Okay. Drake, shoot. Drake, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. You're not the Drake the rapper, are you? Or? No, sir. Okay. What's your question, Drake? <laughs> What's the best line to you? What? What's the best size line for you to use on your drop shot for your leader? Great, great question. You want to take this one, Pete? Pete's not. <laughs> Pete's not. What's the most important is the Pete's not. But uh, no, I mean the the I six pound test overall is is what I use the most when I'm finesse fishing for the leader material. Six pound is uh, you know I'm finesse fishing. I want small diameter, uh, and that's about as low as I'll let myself go in most situations. Rarely do I go down to some of that five pound test stuff in extreme clear water, high pressure conditions. Six pounds is what I use most of the time, but honestly, I mean, I'll go up 
uh, depending on water clarity and the type of habitat that I'm fishing, up to 10 or, or uh, maybe. And then when I'm power shotting, of course, you know, I, it, it, it's unlimited. You know, I could be even working with 20-pound leaders in some of those situations. So, so the, the answer to that question is, I have a whole stack of gamma edge fluorocarbon of all the diameters, and you know, I just pick one that matches the condition. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I got to tell you, just my two favorite for finessing, you know, is a 10-pound braid to a six-pound fluorocarbon leader, or a 15-pound braid to an eight-pound fluorocarbon leader. They're my favorite two combinations, and I want to mention. The fluorocarbon, you know, fluorocarbon's kind of fluorocarbon. But braid, there's some different types of braid out there. And I want to just mention to you, Drake, the Flora Braid by Spiderwire, which is what I used last year on my Lake Erie win. And it's interesting because most braid out there floats. You know, you've got a braid and it's a floating type of line. But Flora Braid by Spiderwire is actually a sinking braid. And on a drop shot, that's a wicked combination, man. When you when you marry a sinking braid to a sinking fluorocarbon, just really it enhances the action of the bait, especially in deep water on, on little finesse baits. So that was that was a great question. And Drake, before you go, Brian the Carpenter is going to get back with you. We're going to get your information, and you are the winner of the Fishity Gift Pack. Okay. Thank that, you. Thank you for the question. Back, we got any Twitter questions? Yeah, this one actually came hour, two hours ago, but it's a great question. Okay. What's the one tournament you feel you should have won, but it just didn't happen? Oh. Both of you. Oh. The one uh, tournament I should have won, it didn't happen. Man. One, one just dropped, jumped into my head. What is that one? I can go first. Okay. Uh, Lake Champlain, um, I was fishing a, a FLW series tournament, and um and I was having a heck of a tournament. I was leading the, after the first day, second day, three days. Three I days I led this tournament. I remember that one. And I, we had 30-mile-an-hour winds come in. I, I caught a 6.15 largemouth on Champlain in that tournament. It was an amazing fish that far north. And... Um, on the last day, it tightened up. Fronts came through, and I really had to adjust. All the patterns that I had been working on in spots were evaporated, and I was in finding new fish mode. And at the end of the day, I rallied from about a 10-pound limit to get myself up to about 16 and a half, 17 pounds. And uh, it was, I felt that I had done it. I had pulled this off. I knew it had tightened up for me, tightened up for everybody. And I get to the scales. And man, it was it was awful for me. But Chip Harrison, uh, he found uh, never weighed in a largemouth on Lake Champlain in his entire career. Drop shotting on his best smallmouth hole, caught two five and a half pound largemouth that swam over to his and he oh and he executed. He caught twenty one pounds and he clipped me for the win by thirteen ounces. Ooh. And um and you know and I don't begrudge him. I mean he fished wonderfully, but I really feel like in that tournament I, I lost it on the third day of the tournament when we had heavy winds. Uh, we had like ten foot waves or twelve, and I allowed myself more time to get back than I needed. Because it, as it turns out, I'm a super talented boat driver, <laughs> and I made it there. I made it there too fast, and I had about 45 minutes at the ramp, 
And if I'd have had those 45 minutes, I may have been able to call one more time right. and taken that win. But yeah. that one is that one's always that one's tough to swallow for me. Yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever forget that one. I've had too many to name. Assam Pink last year with Soli. We can't. <laughs> That's one we should have won. Uh, now you know probably. Uh, the more recently would be the uh, Texas Toyota Bass Classic, you know? Just one of those tournaments where you do everything in your power. I mean, fish flawlessly, and you still come up a little short. And, and that happens. I've been on both sides of that coin. Um, that's uh, one Keith Combs one, and I don't know how I would have did anything different in that event. You know, I can't even look back and say, I sh- you know, you catch 25 pounds a day and still lose. You're not. It's not meant to be. Right. You know. That's a tough one, because the rules are just different. You mean you tie, and then they just send you out there, and whoever catches the first fish wins. Right. That that's that tournament. You're right. I about, caught right? about a, wow. yeah. I caught about a yeah. fi- I caught about a fifty pound carp in that tournament too. Had I weighed that in, I would have blew it away. Right. I wonder if the do you think that's a good way to break a tie is to do the fish fish off? I I, I after listening to your comment, I don't think it is. I mean, I I think that having a criteria of I like limits it. of fish. Because yeah. it's too random. Like, you, yeah. your spot might have been an hour away. Yeah. His best area might have been five minutes and away. And it was. Yeah. I, I, I like criteria or a fish-off that's, you know, the next day where you have time. You know, not you launch, you know, with an hour left of daylight and the first fish wins. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's a great scenario. But that, that was the rules. So I think Keith likes those rules. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he loves those rules. <laughs> he loves those rules. All right, so we've got we've got a caller on the line. Do you want to take this real quick? Let's take this caller, and then we're going to do a trivia question, yep. and then we're going to end this amazing show. Yes, we have Jim we have? from Cleveland, Ohio. Who do we have? Jim from Cleveland. Jim, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, what's going on, Ike? How you doing, man? Good, good to hear from you. What's your question, Jim? Actually, um, it's kind of two questions. One, I'm actually looking to see, are you guys putting swivels as far as attaching your braid to floral? And if so... Um, I mean, why or why not are you guys doing that? And then, two, I've been using those uh, BMC spin shafts. Yes. And I was wondering if you have any tips on keeping fish hooked on those. I'm having seemed to have a little bit of trouble keeping them uh, buttoned on, you know. Yep, gotcha. Okay, so two questions here, Pete, and I'm, I'm going to answer it, and then I'm going to give it to Pete. The <laughs> the line to line, I, I'd say most guys use some form of knot to, to, to combine the braided line to the fluorocarbon. But what you talked about, which is a swivel, is actually what I used at Lake Erie. And they make, um, the, the, we call them micro swivels. Uh, if you look at Tackle Warehouse, they're the double O size black barrel swivel. And it's actually a swivel that's small enough to pass through the guides of that rod. And what makes that awesome on a technique like drop shotting is it eliminates a lot of line twists that you sometimes you get. Even with braids, sometimes you get that bait that's wanting to spin as you're reeling it up. The nice thing about that micro swivel is it eliminates the line twist. Um, so I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there. You, you could go either way. On the second part of the question, which was the, the spin shot hook, which is a really unique hook from BMC, um, it's got a lot of benefits to it. And I've heard that from some people where they're having some issues keeping some fish button. The one thing I do with that hook, in fact, in any hook I'm using drop shotting, is I really don't set the hook, you know, and I think that's important, especially with the spin shot, 
is that you're really just uh, reeling into the fish and applying leverage. And, and I'm, I'll let Pete pick up on that. But that's a really important thing is I see a lot of people on a drop shot set the hook. Like okay. jig fishing or shaky head fishing. And that's right. really not the deal. You really want to just reel into that fish and, and load up on it. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Pete? Well, I, I would have to. I agree. I agree. And uh, and I love the spin shot. Um, I use that instead of replacing the swivel. That reduces a tremendous amount of my line twist. Um, I, I haven't mi- I haven't had the experience that you're having with missing fish. I, I set the hook like you do, Mike. But the one, the when I have missed fish, I, I haven't blamed the hook because I found hook points like when I get hung up in the uh, zebras. Those are really fine finesse hooks, and I, I do pay extra special attention to that hook point. Uh, you may have get hooked up. In a rock, it'll dull the point, it'll bend the point out, and that part of it's bad, but it, that's the part that makes the hook good, is it's so small it, it you get great penetration with it, so pay attention to the to the hook, I think, and uh, you know, the status of that point, and you know, set the hook like Mike described uh, that that's what I do, and I, I, haven't, I haven't seen much trouble with that hook but uh, I hope your uh, strike to catch ratio improves with it, it's a really great hook I hope so, I'm, I'm really playing with it, and uh, you know, I, I think it Definitely imparts more action to your bait, you know, as well too. So, yeah, real, real, really need hook design. Hey, man, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Try uh, Pete's not. <laughs> try Pete's not for sure. All right, so we're almost we're almost out of time. Before we leave, this is a really cool part of the show, especially with Pete, because he brings all sorts of trinkets and gidgets and widgets in every week. And this is time for the. Trivia question? Tackle Warehouse Trivia Question. Tackle Warehouse Trivia Question. As usual, we have this amazing gift pack for the an- the first correct answer who calls in or tweets in. Right? Twitter, Mike underscore Iconelli. Ready. And we've got a Tackle Warehouse hat. Oh, hold on, Mike. Oh, okay. <laughs> Give me a crotch shot on this one, Bri. That's still you. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me a minute. Uh, we've got a Tackle Warehouse hat, beautiful hat, and we've got some stickers and a $25 gift card. Outstanding. For Tackle Warehouse. Okay. I think they have a 10% uh, tax, uh, all-around tax refund discount going on right now wow. at Tackle Warehouse. That's great. Okay, so, Pete, take it away. The trivia question, fire it up, Bri. Fired up. I'm having trouble again. <laughs> this is the, the the question is simple. We've gotten real complicated in the last couple of shows about winners of the classic and this and that. This is an old school lure that uh that I was um let use from a guy in my closer, Garden State Bassmasters, one of my first club clubs. All I need to know is the brand and the name of this particular lure, and you will get the Tackle Warehouse package. Name it. Okay. Name it. So we need to know the name of the bait. That particular lure. That this lure. is all, the attention all Bassmaster Elite Anglers. That particular lure I has guess. won more than one tournament on the Delaware River. What? Uh, all right. Wait, what are, you, you are you ready for the Twitter I don't guesses? That. We are ready. All right. Twitter guesses? Yeah. yeah. We've got Twitter guesses too. Wayne. Serenetti. I hope I said oh, that right. Oh, put the phone number up too, Bri, though. Let's give him an equal opportunity. Go ahead. All right. He guesses Creek Chub 
Picky? What? What? Wait! Pike? Is he Pick? saying Pikey? Pikey. P-I-K-I-E? That's the... Man, it's going to be hard to say no to that. It's going to be real hard to say no to that. that that's got to be... That's got to... Let, let, I, I don't even want to go down the list because we. It's hard to say no to that. The full, what's the full name on that, Brian? You have it written down I wrote there. It down, but I have so many pieces of paper. <laughs> the, next, the next guy guessed the exact same thing. So yeah. it is definitely a creep chub pikey, but is a striper striper pikey. It's That's a it's a creek chub striper pikey, and um, I, we're going to give it the winner. We're going to give it to him, Wayne. Wayne, you better call us. We need Wayne. your address. <laughs> Wayne, if you're listening right now. Good luck getting through, Wayne. Good luck getting through. You're the winner. Uh, Wayne, you could also um, email my wife. I'm going to give you her personal email address. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm not giving it to you. I'm going to give you Bob's. Uh, if you need any plumbing work done, too, he'll cut. He'll come to your house and cut uh, holes in your drywall for nothing. Uh, he's real good at doing that. <laughs> Man, can you believe that? I mean, the first and second answer yep. was almost dead, dead on, yep. well, pretty they, much. Well, they got it, but they can't get the prize unless they can tell us what year it was manufactured. Get out of here! And, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay. But I, I, I'm interested in it. I'd love to know what year it is. It's got to be like 1950s, that lore. That's an old lore. Yeah. Does it have glass eyes? Fry? Does it have glass? No. Oh, he's on the phone. I don't think it does. It doesn't have glass eyes? No. I don't it's, think it's It's an awesome lore, but true story. It has won tournaments on the Delaware River. True story. I don't believe that. I don't either. I promise you. We had club tournaments with 30 boats in them. And this guy won those club tournaments. Not big tournaments. Bob, you but believe that? He won them. Nah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe no creek hey, man, it's one of the it's one of the iconic oh, wars of all time. Wait, you're right. For everybody listening, I know there's a lot of pros, fishing elites, trying to get some information. Fish the creek chub. <laughs> Fish the creek chub pikey. Run all the way up above the Trenton Makes Bridge. Get up in them rocks, man. With that pikey, I bet you Bernie's. I bet you Bernie Schultz has got some of them pikey. Bernie's mint, listening right he's now. He's got I'm some sure of those in mint condition. You know, he's a collector of that kind of stuff. I know he is. I bet you he's, he's one of the biggest antique lore collectors around. Well. All right, we're we're about a couple minutes over here. Uh, we're going to end the show uh, once again. Just want to remind you: check out Bash University. Check out BUTV. Awesome way to learn online. Uh, want to send a special shout out here. Bob, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for joining us. No problem, man. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun and stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be back again. I'm amazed, though. i got to tell you, I'm amazed. No F-bombs. Yeah, I heard one. It wasn't me, though. And not, <laughs> and not even a dude. No, I said dude a couple You're times. Dead, huh? Yeah, yeah. I can't even have a conversation without saying dude. Man. I was talking, right. talking to my own mother, man. It's, yeah. hey, dude. You know, dude. I, 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 I think Bob's presence here is probably going to warrant some type of protest from the Federation. Yeah, it, might, it might with both of us in the same room, for sure. Somebody just threw the keys out, I think. Somebody's going to protest something. I Absolutely. Uh, Rebecca, thank Thank you for helping us with the Twitter, as usual. And uh, Brian the Carpenter, thank you. Pete, thanks for joining us. Thanks, buddy. Uh, just to let you know, the next show, we have an official date for you, Monday, May 19th. 
Mark that down your calendar. We're going to have some more information on it. Monday, May 19th, the next Ike Live show, show four. Uh, special thanks to Mark at Bass Zone. He helps all the way out in Tulsa. He helps make this he helps thing happen. Lot. He helps a lot. Special shout out. Special shout out to, to Mullix. Can we get a crotch shot on that right there? Uh, Mullix, uh, one of the one of the great sponsors of the show and of, of Bass University. That's the lover right there. We talked about vibrating jigs all night. Try that one. That's the Mullix lover. Special shout out to the, the Mullix lover. Special shout out to Cast Crew. Uh, out in Chicago. Appreciate all your support. Special shout out to Big Bash Dreams. And finally, special shout out to Joe Everett. Joe Everett. For catching those big bass out in California. Appreciate you. And the FedEx guy who dropped off this nice letter saying we're doing a great job. And, and the FedEx guy. I love the FedEx guy. We love the FedEx guy. Guys, take it easy. Have a good night. We're going to fill up our beers. See you next time. Bye. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>